the blast from our past network. Hey everybody, this is Derek K. Moore, a.k.a. Maddox Mason from Slaber Day 7, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, King of New York, starring Christopher Walken, David Caruso, and Lawrence Fishburne. Welcome to another Subway Groping episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. <laughs> oh, no. Bad, oh, no, bad, Zach. Oh, it's going to oh, get no. good. Are we, are we going to go down this road? <laughs> we are. Oh, no. <laughs> we have to, uh, dude. Well, all right. So I will say this. I will say this. People loved our Moriarty uh, impressions. So if we can't do as good of a Moriarty one in this one, we can't do it. Because <laughs> we can't. We have to go out on a high note. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say, pop, pop, pop. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right guys <laughs> this week we are talking about abel ferreira's king of new york the king of new york yeah the king of new york the king of new york fun loving um, criminals baby what was that bud the fun lo- the fun loving criminals which is a phenomenal late 90s early thousands hip-hop jazz band did a ditty called king of new york not based on the movie, but it's a dope track. <laughs> King of New say. York. The King of New York. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, all right. So, guys and gals, uh, I am uh, going to be show running this one. This was my pick. And uh, before we jump into why, uh, Zach, what is your familiarity with King of New York? Well, this is when, when you chose this film, when I pulled it out of the Amazon baggie, uh, it brought me, it flushed me back, flushed me, that's terrible. <laughs> a nostalgic flush, if it was. A nostalgic flush, if you will, back to, back to 1990. Um, this was like the, the height of when I was really getting into movies and thought, maybe, maybe I'm going to be a filmmaker someday, just like everybody else in the world. Uh, and then I woke up. No, I'm kidding. Um, and I was obsessed with Abel Ferrara and his movies and... I remember renting this myself from the video store. Um, it could, I think maybe Ultimate Video at that time. And yeah, dude, like I I love gangster movies just like any normal teenager boy does. Right. Uh, and and uh, and I love you know seeing people getting shot on screen. Uh, and so this was like this was kind of blew me away back in 1990 when I saw it or 91 I think is probably when I watched it. Uh, and yeah, I saw it when it first came out. I've, I've seen it countless times since then. It's been about 15 years since the last time I saw it. So when I popped it in the old Blu-ray, uh, man, it, it, it brought back all sorts of great feels to my bod. <laughs> Good. That's, that's what I want, man. That's, to that's my COVID always bod. what I want when I, when I, you know, get a movie for you, uh, when I pick one and same, same with you, man. Um, I, I discovered this, you know, early 90s, don't exactly remember when, um, but then 
I kind of re-fell in love with it because I was a big NYPD Blue fan, and David Caruso, I was like a big like David Caruso fan, so I kind of fell back into this uh, later. I can't remember off the top of my head when NYPD Blue was coming out. I think that was like, what, 93, 94, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it wasn't too much after, but uh, it was definitely a movie, King of New York is definitely a movie that, that helped shape my childhood Mostly in the fact that, like you said, all I feel like it's it's sort of like a a rite of passage for all film fans to go through a gangster phase. And yeah, you know, totally. We've all seen Casino, we've all seen Goodfellas, and and you know the usual, The Godfather, all that kind of stuff. And Carlito's Way, Carlito's Way. Yep, had some friends that were big into that. And I gotta say that I was never huge into those. But this, King of New York and Reservoir Dogs, were like my two, oh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, gangster movies. And uh, and also Luke, too. Like, this is what we'd sort of watch. Now, I don't want to say whether, you know, Luke loves, you know, uh, uh, the other ones or not. But I do remember watching this one with Luke a lot. And this seemed to be, when we hung out together, our go-to gangster film. And, you know, I don't mean to jump ahead. But while we're sort of on the topic of why I connected with this film, I realized – Watching it now, because like you, I haven't seen this movie probably in 20 years or so. Um, but watching it again, I think what I really connected to was that Christopher Walken's character, Frank White, he's trying to like actually do something good. And a lot of times when you watch, um, you know, uh, Goodfellas and stuff, you don't, it's sort of like a slice of life of these gangsters and everything, but you don't get a sense that they're trying to achieve anything bigger than just trying to be the biggest they can possibly be. And I think as a kid, I didn't really know why, but I, I guess I don't, don't always gravitate towards characters that are just bad for the sake of being bad. And I really, I realized this time and I kind of connected with like uh, uh, Christopher Walken's character because he, he was trying to do something. He was trying to actually do something good. He was trying to actually do something big and he was trying trying to actually like leave something behind. And I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a different sort of take on these on gangster films. Yeah, you know, in 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 a way he's uh he's Robin Hood. He, you know, he, I give drugs to the rich and give money to the poor. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely like sort of straddles that line uh between Robin Hood. I mean, you, you can definitely tell that he's going for him, like he's kind of out for him, but still like not a hundred percent, you know, like yeah. not totally. And he does actually care about his community and he doesn't, yeah. and he does, he doesn't ever come out and say what his morals are, but you know, you can get the sense that, you know, he's, he's not, he looks down on anyone who, who, you know, prostitutes kids. He looks down on people like, you know, who just do more of the scummier, I guess, bad guy stuff, even though, you know, you can say it's all kind of scummy, but he has, he has morality to him. He has sort of a moral code about him. Yeah, no, he is he is definitely an anti-hero yeah. for sure. And more so than you would say Ray Liotta was in Goodfellas or you know, Al Pacino was in Scarface yeah. or you know, yeah, you're totally right. Um he's he's a he's a multi-layered character um in in when you talk about when you break him down, you know, mm-hmm. and like just looking at him on screen, you wouldn't understand that necessarily. But the, if you dig deep into this movie, you realize it's got a lot. This is a this is a really complex, structured film that originally was a lot longer than hour forty five. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. So, okay. Uh, I'm I'm excited to sort of dig into into that. Um, but do you want to talk about Abel Ferrer first? I do. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. I I love. I okay. So and saying love is funny, but Abel Ferrara. Uh, I was I was always a huge fan of his. Um, Ms. Forty Five, and Driller Killer were like you know late night. My my buddy Jamal actually he and I were the ones who would dig deep into Abel Ferrara. Um, and, and really, I think appreciated his artistic aesthetic. Uh, the guy has made, you know, a shit ton of movies, uh, more notably like the addiction, dangerous game and body snatchers being some of his more, more mainstream, um, films. But, you know, when he did, he, he followed up King of New York with bad Lieutenant, which, is the only movie I've ever seen where uh, people have actually literally walked out of the movie theater midway through and were like cursing at the screen. I'm like, I don't think he hears you old man, but you know, you can do your best. Yeah. Go with confidence. Mission accomplished. Uh, can I say same- that, that that was my dad. So I, I don't want to cut you off, but this is really yeah. besides King of New York. My only sort of experience with Abel Ferreira is um, uh, a bad Lieutenant. And my Dad, uh, he liked a lot of the cop sh- stuff. Uh, I wasn't a huge, huge fan, but you know, I'd watch it with him, and I'd always be relatively entertained by cop movies. Uh, like I said, King of New York was probably more of my favorite style, and I put you know, gangster movies and cop movies are sort of the the same genre, you know, crime yeah. drama stuff. And um, I, I've <laughs> I watched uh, or, or attempted to watch Bad Lieutenant with my dad, and uh, <laughs> all I know is it got turned off around a time. <laughs> was there a penis or was there Jesus? Christ like bleeding or something yes, there was a scene yes. with Jesus yes um yeah and I think that's where we turned it off and uh I, I never fellatio rape. yeah um, wow okay I, I've never revisited it masturbation yeah okay and and so like like <laughs> and, and I don't remember exactly where my dad turned it off I do remember it wasn't that far into the movie but at the same time it wasn't grabbing my attention when I was young it, it, so I never really felt the need to kind of go back and see it well, you know, it, it, one thing, it was remade by uh, Warner Herzog and Nicolas Cage, which right. is pretty hilarious. But And that's a whole other story. I don't think it's nearly uh, as good as it deserves the attention. It's it's just more shocking yeah. more than anything else. But uh, in, in like kind of in prep for this, digging into Abel's body of work. Yeah, he had a lot of success in the in the mid to late 90s, but I didn't realize that he had directed uh, two episodes of Miami Vice early on after he'd done Ms. 45 and Drill a Killer, and he directed the pilot to Crime Story, both of which uh, were produced by uh, Michael Mann. Yeah, so, Crime it, Story, I remember, Crime was a big deal, awesome. dude. I remember yeah. my dad loved that fucking show. Crime Story is great, and if people haven't watched it, they sh- you should seek it out and, and get the... Uh, I think it's the the series is available on DVD. It's great and it's gritty Chicago crime. Yeah, uh, and it, I I kind of get the sense and correct me if I'm wrong that up until sort of the wire came out, the, the crime crime story was always considered the more gritty realistic crime shows, you know, that that was on air at the time and uh and I just remember the people praising it for just how realistic it was and how gritty it was. And then I, I feel like the history books now kind of reflect more of the wire everyone kind of like you know points to that as as the gold standard but i feel like we wouldn't have had the wire if we didn't have a crime story before that oh no crime story it's it's 
it's Michael Mann. And then Abel Ferrara, you know, whether or not he had restrictions on what he could do, he's still, the pilot's phenomenal. And, and correct uh, me if I'm wrong, isn't the opening song for Crime Story the, um, people are strange when you're no, a strange, oh. It, it's a Runaway. Oh, okay, dun, okay. Dun, 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 my little runaway. Run, that's run, right. Run, run, okay, run, run, that's right. Yeah. I kind of get those two confused in my head. All right. That's uh, okay. I, I remember it was one that I kind of, uh, it was a song that like was a, a mainstream song, you know? Yeah, it was definitely mainstream. And, you know, I think it's like set in the 50s or 60s. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it's definitely worth checking out. And it's on the tip of what we're just talking about right now. So yeah, Abel Ferrara, big fan. He followed up this with, the, or he, he did another movie with Walk In the, the Funeral, which is yeah. actually really entertaining as well. So. And and dude, I mean, the cast in this movie oh my God. is fucking insane. Oh my God! Oh my God. Yeah. At one point, <laughs> uh, we were watch. Uh, I was watching it last last night, and uh, Kristen says, "Is that who is that guy?" Who, like you know, and she was pointing out the different actors, and I said, "Yeah, that's mm-hmm, yep." Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Him. You're yeah. like, I uh-huh. mean, the, every <laughs> like, role, like, like the the from the gang members to to you know the cops, every single actor is is either already somebody or gonna be somebody, and yeah, and I'm dude. just, I was I was amazed. Like I said, even even uh you know Jimmy Jump's gang, uh, Lawrence Larry, sorry Larry Fishburne's uh gang, I recognized half of those actors, you know, and yeah. I was like, oh that guy, oh that guy, oh that guy, you yeah. know, and uh, and all, and most of the women, you know, and uh, even the the poor man's Kim Basinger. Um, <laughs> but, but dude, let's, uh, let's just like, let's dig into the cast though, man. And yeah, of dude. course, Christopher Walken. I mean, like what the hell do we have to say about Christopher Walken? Right? Like everyone knows him, but I will say this, you know, watching this, watching King of New York now and, 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 you know, like living with this caricature of Chris, uh, Christian Bale of, uh, Christopher Walken, <laughs> For like the past like fifteen to twenty years, it was nice to go back and see him in in this like pre pre caricature phase. And yeah. boy, is he just oozing with charisma! And and he is just like you just can't take your eyes off him. He's he's so good. And I love the scenes where uh, Abel Ferrara just lets the camera just sit on his face while he kind of just you know makes these in- he does this like internal acting, and you can just see his you know see what's going on in his face and everything. My God, it's it's awesome. I I just it's like I refell in love with him. You know this this could potentially be um, this potentially could be the movie that started the caricatures of Walken, you know, okay. potentially he did a movie prior to this called, uh, at close range. And I just, and he's actually, that's like, uh, mafia in the Midwest and oh, okay. with, with Sean Penn and, um, uh, and Chris Penn and Stephen Jeffries actually. Oh. And, uh, it's, it's definitely worth checking out, but, but, uh, you know, where he he's like a small town mobster kind of guy, and, and and I kept watching this and thinking back to his performance in At Close Range and just thinking about the differences between the two, and I don't know, I thought that was kind of a cool thing. So, and I always I always liked his scene in True Romance, and I should have mentioned it earlier, but True Romance was probably the the other <laughs> trifecta of quote unquote gangster movies that I I watched you know growing up and everything. But so so Christopher Walken in True Romance always we all know the scene. <laughs> <laughs> we all know the speech, yada. You know, we don't need to oh, you, go into. You mean Pulp Fiction? Pulp yeah. Fiction. Oh no, no, uh, no. Christopher Walken was in True Romance too. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On oh, the eggplant. I'm. Yeah, I, dude. I'm. I mean, like clearly two 
memorable scenes. Yeah, because yeah, when, and, when you're like, everyone knows that scene. I'm like, of course, with the watch. That's yeah, where I'm going. And, and, and I'm like, course, oh, wait, no, no. Eggplant. And of course, they're both Tarantino. Tarantino yes, wrote uh, yes. uh, the script for True Romance. Yes. Um, yeah, so Tarantino, Tarantino, Christopher Walken, always a good time. But like, I'm glad that I had this moment to kind of revisit pre-caricature Christopher Walken and totally. kind of just get reminded why he is Christopher Walken. You know what I mean? Like why yeah. he is beloved and so good in everything he does. Totally, totally. And maybe what we can do is as we're breaking down such big names, like I'll probably throw out one or two movies that stood out to me in, in these actors' careers. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, because we got so many. Let's try to to go through them fairly quickly. So yeah. uh, you, uh, we'll be going off of I guess IMDb in order. Uh, next up, David Caruso. Yeah, I mean, I, my personal favorite of his is Session Nine. I know you. Uh, he was great in that. And if if people haven't seen Session Nine, that is a wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, that is a wonderful horror film that has come out in the past twenty years. Okay. I remember always staring at the cover when I worked at that video store. It came out in 2001. Yeah, I was still there. I was still at the the video store. And um, I I thought it always looked cheap, but between you telling me multiple times that it's good and actually hearing it from other people, I really want to see it. And I actually had no clue that David Caruso was even in it. Uh, What are they like cleaning like an asylum and then kind of like weird shit happens or something? Yeah, the the quick premise is... uh... It's 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 actually set in a real rundown insane asylum in Massachusetts and that they were going to tear down and they filmed this movie right before they did. And um, this yeah, this asbestos cleaning crew comes in to clean it out and some weird things start happening. They're not sure if it's a ghost. They're not sure if it's a killer. They're not sure if it's homeless people, Uh, but something weird starts happening. And it's like the shining you know the overlook hotel was the set piece for the shining this is like this set is phenomenal and chris and david caruso is he's really good in it it was like a it was his turn because he kind of had a his career started to go a little slow before he got into uh csi or nc or whatever that well yeah because he blew up with nypd blue but then i think i think he fucked himself behind the scenes kind of got a little too big for his britches and then got written off and then uh if i remember correctly and i think he did the session nine like sort of in between his resurgence in uh in, in miami csi miami or whatever well he did he did two movies after nypd blue kiss of death yep and Jade. Yep, which and, I've seen. I saw both of them because, like I said, I was a huge. I was <laughs> at, during the time of, of NYPD Blue. I was a huge David Caruso fan. Did not particularly care for either of those movies. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't bad. They weren't good. They were kind of meh. Um, even though Jade has Linda Fiorentino shoving a heel of a of a high. A stiletto boot in some guy's butthole. <laughs> I like how you said butthole. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got uh, it's got Michael Bean in it too. So you know you can't go wrong on that tip. You know what? You you, you really can't. And again, watching this, <laughs> watching this, I'm reminded how much I love David Caruso. I think he's fantastic yeah, in this me movie. Too. I, um, I I and I he, he's a little, he's a great little bitch. He plays a great little bitch. Yep, he plays uh, Dennis Gilly the bitch. No, that's not that's <laughs> not. Uh, and another hey, another uh, another great actor who turns in a super fucking fun performance is Lawrence Fishburne, aka Larry Fishburne in this movie uh, as Jimmy Jump. Another uh, is it? Wasn't he on also a CSI show? I think, <laughs> I think so. He yeah. Was, <laughs> but I, I, a fun fact: James Russo, the, the actor James Russo, who people would recognize from 
um, Beverly Hills Cop. He's the, uh, Axel's buddy that gets killed in the beginning of the movie. Really good, like, indie actor. Uh, he was supposed to play Jimmy Jump. And okay. then Lawrence, like, begged for this role, practically. And obviously, they went with the right choice. But, uh, yeah, when he was Larry at the time, it's funny because I think he had just done um, Quicksilver a few years prior to this in, like, 86 or something. And so that's when he was Larry. And then, like, nope, suddenly I want to be taken seriously. Change my name. Change my name. <laughs> but that's he'll cool. always be Morpheus to me. Yeah. Understandably so, dude. Understandably so. I mean, he's I, I've always liked uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. So I, and if, I, he's and again, it's fun to see him so like so young and thin and full of life in this movie. Right. And if and if anyone says, oh, I remember him from CSI, then turn off this podcast right now and unsubscribe <laughs> from us. please. I, I'm kidding. Please don't. But come on. Like if that's your only connection to who he is. We gotta, we gotta have a talk. <laughs> we, gotta, we, we gotta go have a talk, guys. <laughs> um, Victor Argo plays Roy Bishop, kind of the uh, head of the detective unit that's uh, kind of against odds with with Frank White, and yeah. uh, another just fantastic character actor that uh, we've seen him in a million fucking things. Yeah, if you go on his IMDb, like the top movies that pop up are this one and Ghost Dog, which Ghost Dog, if you haven't seen that, with um, oh god. Jeez, I'm blanking. I'm yeah, you mean Forrest Whitaker? Yeah, with Forrest Whitaker. Uh, definitely seek that out because that like, movie kicks ass. Yeah, I really enjoyed that movie. And I'm not a huge Jim Jarmusch fan, but I Neither liked that. I. And I like um, The Dead Don't. What was the last? The zombie movie he just did. I, I oh, just yeah, I didn't totally see forgot that one. it. It was actually really good, dude. I was highly it? recommend it. It was, it was funny. It was fun. It was a good movie. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, alrighty, next up, man, <laughs> Wesley fucking Snipes, bro, as, first off, as Tommy Flanagan, uh, I feel like there was a backstory to this that we don't really know about. Yeah, it, cause I was, I didn't find anything on it either, uh, it, 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 I think it's perfect, I love that, you know, cause they even make a joke about it in yeah. the movie, and, and I love also that at one point he makes a joke about, uh, somebody being a vampire and I'm like, Oh, you play a vampire a couple years after this movie. Um, no, Wesley Snipes is the fucking man. Uh, it's too bad that he, you know, had his issues with, uh, the taxes and the, the slammer and all that good stuff. But you know, he's, he's, he's the man. He's rad. I love Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Every time yeah, he's on he, screen, I'm like, Oh shit. Yes. More. And he didn't, he didn't have a big role in this. No. And, and actually, you know, like, I was like, oh, and he didn't, like, feel like he tried to chew up the scenery. I don't know if his ego wasn't so big at the time, but I was like, oh, dude, Wesley Snipes, you work actually really well in an, in an ensemble cast. I mean, obviously, I've always been a huge fan, so I don't mind, like, this, his solo films, but he, he did a good job in, as a part of an ensemble here. I just kind of made me want to see more of that from him. Yeah, he's great. He's great. I mean, T to B, he's great. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Janet Julian as uh, Jennifer, who was uh, kind of... <laughs> I don't really know her from anything, did you? No, dude, like, yeah, I, look, she's, she, 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 did her, she did her thing, but I, you look up her IMDb and there's not anything very notable in there. No, no, no. Other, yeah, no. She did her thing. She showed her boob on the on the metro. On it was really uncomfortable, actually. I was that was a very uncomfortable scene for me because he's literally just. We'll get to it. I know, but he's just holding her boob. He's just like, I'm holding a boob. It feels good. <laughs> feels good. 
Oh, <laughs> we could skip the next guy and go to Giancarlo yeah. Esposito. Yeah, yeah, Giancarlo Esposito. Um, bro, 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 come on, bro. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's it, fucking rad. He's so good, dude. So, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, of course, everyone knows him from Breaking Bad, but I'm gonna say that he's freaking awesome as Grand Moff Gideon, or actually just Moff Gideon in uh, the Mandalorian season one. Oh, dude, and, I, nice. and I can't wait yes. to see what uh, what he does with season two and that dark saber that he has. Dude, I, so he talk about a guy who's gotten a resurgence in, in his career yeah. as of late. Uh, I I recognize him as well as a few other people in this movie from Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing, in my opinion, is is Spike Lee's best movie, or it's my favorite Spike Lee movie. Yeah, uh, and captures like New York at that time, and uh, you know he's he's so great in that. Uh, so if you haven't seen Do the Right Thing, put that at the top of your list of like excellent films to see. Yeah, I agree. I, I that movie's fan fucking tastic. I haven't seen it in forever, but I did love it when I back in the day. Dude, so um, good. Yeah, uh, Paul Calderon. Oh, this guy's so. Uh, good. He, and and he, I don't, I didn't, I don't recognize his name like per se, but oh, do I recognize his face? Like I, another yes. another actor that I've seen him in just so much stuff. But to be truthful, I probably know him the most from this. This uh, King of New York is probably where I'm most familiar with him. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I recognize him from Pulp Fiction. Uh, yeah. But he's got, yeah, he's such a good, in Copland, uh, he's like, he had a small role in that. He, he's been in, he, I mean, he's been in everything. He's been in everything. 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, this is like a tour de force of character actors, and they're all turning in a fantastic performance. Yeah. Um, Steve Buscemi is in it for not too, too long, but he's Half in a it. Second. And he, he looks young. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Steve Buscemi's so young. Yeah, it's funny. You get like Steve Buscemi and Christopher Walken in the same movie. How badass is that? I know. Freaking fucking awesome. Um, they don't share the screen together, but it doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah, very yeah, very brief uh, when, when they do at the beginning. Um, we uh, And then we're going to start, you know, sort of fading out. Uh, but yeah. I do want to mention real quick, um, Teresa Randall, who plays one of his two female bodyguards sort yep. of you know handlers or something badasses yeah, yeah she's cool um i i knew her from from bad boys like spawn seen her in a million things but she was also in near dark too yep i mean and i think girl six was one of her bigger movies she did but uh like you look her you look her up her resume speaks for itself like she's been in so many great movies yeah. including beverly hills cop part three mm. <laughs> but whatever whatever and she's beautiful in this movie too. I I, I always uh, when I was oh. younger, I always found her to be very striking. Dude, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I mean, they're, they're, again, we could probably go through every single person, the gang members and the the councilmen. Everybody, everybody's yeah. been in something. It's 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 freaking amazing. It's I mean, it really is. It, I just want to. Sorry, I, I I just I just had to say too that. Uh, the yeah, the councilman I think his name's Tanner his name the yeah. actor's name is Roger uh, yep. Guinevere Smith so I, I remember seeing him in Do the Right Thing also and he plays in that movie he's got a, like a severe stutter and I thought that guy I was like oh that's got to be legit there's there's no way that that's fake and then I see him in other movies and I'm like oh 
oh, that that was that was acting. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and he's he's awesome in this too. I I recognize him as well. So um, yep. I dude, it's I was like, I'm glad I watched it twice because I kind of spent the whole first uh, time watching it just totally just. You know, being in all of it, like, oh, man, I'm just happy to be back here again. I'm happy to be back into this movie and, and like, having it in my life again. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, you know, you kind of are going to know how I feel about it. But uh, it, it's not perfect, but it's not perfect no. by, by any stretch of the imagination. And we'll definitely uh, have, a, have a lot to talk about here, both both good and bad. And I was I was just going to point out, too, because while we were talking, I, I did a little bit of quick research on the fact that the fun-loving criminal song King of New York is a little bit of a play on uh, gangsters in New York, so it, it definitely fits. It's more about John Gotti, uh, but, you know, this kind of fits in. So if you're on into the hip-hop tip, uh, even if you're not, check it out because it's a, it's a kick-ass tune. You know who's into the hip-hop tip? Frank White. <laughs> <laughs> bop, bop, bop. <laughs> man, I love his dancing in this movie, by Dude, the way. Come on, how can you not? Dude, Jesus it, Christ, man. That man's got talent. And he is a classic uh like jazz dancer or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I remember when that famous uh commercial came out, or you know, now famous commercial of, of him dancing, and I remember it kind of everyone was like, Oh my god, Christopher Walken's amazing, and then everyone was like, Yeah, he actually knows how to dance. <laughs> That's how he was trained. <laughs> <laughs> remarkable but and you see it in this movie and you're like oh wow yeah dude that dude's got rhythm and he's got moves <laughs> no shit i mean seriously <laughs> and i it, just really quick uh you know when you were like when we were talking about wesley snipes apparently wesley snipes was living in his car during production of this movie according to abel ferrara so oh okay so you know, yeah so, so i know i was gonna ask you earlier when we were talking about wesley snipes like he was he when was passenger uh 57 that was i think that was mid 90s right so so he's after this so he's like he's like five years away from just blowing up yes yeah yeah he hadn't done like white men can't jump yet he hadn't done uh you know a lot u.s marshals shit like that yeah all the things that made him big yeah yeah all righty all right buddy are you ready to get into this oh i am I'm so I'm so ready. It's good. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt it. Mine suck. <laughs> Mine's not that great either, but I, I got to. It's fun. It's fun. Frank White is a free man. How come you never came to see me? Who wanted to see you in a cage, man? He served his time. What can we expect from the reformed Frank White? I want to be mayor. He paid his debt. Go someplace where you can stay out of trouble. But some things don't change. From here on, nothing goes down unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. You're waiting years for this. I know what you're up to, White. Forget it. I'm going to make you and your friends disappear long before that. Are you arresting me? Frank's Park Avenue attorney can get him out in 10 minutes. 10 minutes later! I feel no remorse. I got a quarter million dollar contract on anyone involved in this case. The cops tried to stop him their way. I'm not your problem. I'm just a businessman. Now they'll have to do it his way. There's only one way to get Frank. 
Christopher Walken, King of New York. You expected to get away with killing all these people? I never killed anybody that didn't deserve it. Uh, the movie opens and uh, on Frank uh, Frank Walker. Uh, why do I say that? I, I was thinking of Frank Welker. Uh, every time oh, I say nice. Frank White, I keep wanting to say Frank Welker, which this is not Frank Welker, guys. <laughs> okay, let's start that again. Um, movie kind of has a little bit of a, a lackluster credits, you know, kind of just opens with uh, King of New York against Black and uh, kind of opens with Christopher Walken and his character Frank White in jail and he's just getting let out of jail we kind of have a nice little quiet time of him walking through jail and uh you know a lot of shots just sort of lingering on him kind of set set some tone set some pacing and everything and when he gets out of jail he's uh greeted by a limousine so you know he's you know somebody special and they basically just kind of drive out of there uh nothing major kind of happens right there in the opening stuff just sort of a character establishment things um next i do want to say i'm sorry yeah, I, yeah. I, I do want to say though in the opening shot there's this beautiful shot of like the the mesh on um like a cage door or something like that and the camera's like focused on that it's so amazing looking i don't know why it just really stood out to me and i was like ooh, this movie is got some artistic quality to it so yeah it's it's beautifully shot no no uh bones about that for sure i uh, and and also i like how you know i was talking to zach offline you know it was easy to take notes on this because there's like minutes will go by where it's just sort of lingering on a character just kind of enjoying a character moment and uh it's nice to kind of slow down with some of these movies and actually it doesn't not everything has to be bing 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 you know boom 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 next scene next scene next scene and there's actually you know able for lets you sort of linger and have fun and and get to know these characters and you know this opening scene is is perfect example of that it's you know a good solid like two minutes long and there's like no dialogue and just just camera shots and everything getting to know christopher walken with his glasses it's nice to see him at first with his glasses on because he he looks a little bit more meek than when you see him come out of the jail you know comes out of the jail he's uh, ready to party that's right with his uh two female uh whatever they are handlers bodyguards uh yep. sex has partners i i don't yes. know yes yeah yes. all of the above all of the above um <laughs> uh, speaking of sex partners next we see a like a a, a latin man walking through <laughs> a house and you yeah. know just sort of establishing you find out later that he's uh, i believe colombian it's a part of tito's or part of another gang sort of thing but anyways it just opens with a, a latin gentleman sort of walking through a house uh he looks he's dressed up but like there's naked chicks everywhere or like you know half naked in lingerie passed out and he's just kind of like walking through the house and man that that one girl that's with him just he's just grabbing her ass dude just grabbing it (laughs) i was like i don't even know if that's in the script or what (laughs) yeah this this was a scene that made me a little uncomfortable because i'm like who are these women are these women real ladies of the night yeah right (laughs) and or the chance they may be Uh, and uh all we see is him kind of we you know don't really know anything about him but he kind of grabs a briefcase uh puts on his jacket leaves the his house his row house all right so 
real quick, I'm going to establish that my New York geography, even though I'm from the East Coast, my New York geography sucks. I don't <laughs> really know what the Bronx is versus what uh, uh, Brooklyn is versus, you know, I know what Manhattan is and stuff. But, uh, like, so this guy here who comes out of this house, is this a brownstone? Is this what you consider a brownstone? I guess so. I mean, it's like not... a row house, right? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, I just hear people refer to the, these kind of houses as brownstones, and I, I'm yeah. not quite sure, even though the the bricks weren't brown here. But I didn't know <laughs> if that was a thing. But um, classy, they're classy though. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's nice. I guess it's the equivalent of a mansion, but inside the city, you know. Yeah. Um. So he he kind of grabs a briefcase, he walks outside, but he doesn't go far. He goes basically right out to a payphone that's almost you know kind of right outside of his house, and he gets into the payphone, and then someone quickly. Uh, sort of locks the door, puts something in there to sort of locks it, you know. He turns around, and then he gets gunned down by uh, uh, three or four African-American gentlemen uh, who we find out later is um, Jimmy Jimmy Jump's gang, basically. But right now, all we know is that that these guys just gun him down, and then (laughs) to his dead body, one of them pulls out a uh, newspaper and holds it up, and it says, Frank White out of jail, and, you know, he kind of, like, you know, shoves it in his face, even though the guy's dead. But that kind of gives you the indication that these guys work for Frank White. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> That's when you have nothing to say. You're like, yep. <laughs> yeah, no, you summed it up. I was like, yeah. Show enough. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, we got another scene uh, that's one of those, sh- like, you know, it's five minutes long, but it, all it is is kind of uh, Frank White and his two uh, lady friends in the limo <laughs> driving through, I'm thinking the Bronx, uh, yeah. like maybe Harlem or something. And he's kind of just surveying the land and uh, you don't know what and they even ask do you want to pull over i guess to get a girl or something but i always got the sense that he's just taking it all in he wants to see what happened to his old neighborhood he basically wants to see how things are and he looks sad he looks like uh, and uh, yeah. you know that he's sad about it and what i love about this movie is he never ever says I'm upset by how the people are being treated here and this, you know, like you don't, you get his motivations through his actions later and, you know, watching it and then rewatching it, you see, okay, he's just taking this all in and he's just, he, he's sad by the fact that there's so much poverty, you know, and he, I think he yeah. wants to change that. Now, granted, he's not so altruistic that he doesn't want to sell drugs to do it, but you know what I mean? Like, I think he, I think he does really feel the plight of the common man here. Yeah, and there's so much you can do with saying nothing, and this is just shows off how excellent he is as an actor. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of uh, just his facial reactions to what we see going on, and then uh, when they drive out of that area and kind of go into the city, boy oh boy, just some beautiful New York City establishing shots in this movie. Oh yeah, I mean this it, it, it's like you know. This was not Toronto made to look like New York. This yeah. is legit New York. And I, dude, I hate that so much when they do that. Don't fucking try to pretend that this is New York when it's yeah. so clearly not. You know, New York is so distinct looking. So it's its own character that it's almost like <laughs> you can't recast, you know, a, a famous character like that. You just can't do it, you know? Yeah. No, I think that... Uh... It, I get for budgetary reasons, but then don't call it New York. Don't pretend yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Call it Metropolis. Yeah, yeah, you know, or or don't say where it is, or you know, do one of those things. But yeah. if it's gonna be New York, 
fucking fil- film it in New York, you know? Right. <laughs> and if it's going to be at a Travelodge International Hotel, film it at a Travelodge International Hotel. Come on, goddammit. <laughs> if it's going to be a Red Roof Inn, make it a Red Roof Inn. Red, make it a Red Roof Inn, goddammit. <laughs> Do some multitasking. Of- Speaking of the Travelodge International Hotel, that is where our next scene <laughs> takes place. <laughs> yeah, not Red Roof Inn, sorry. Not, not Red Roof Inn. <laughs> um, Steve Buscemi's character's name is Test Tube, which is hilarious. Um, yeah. And he's testing the dope. <laughs> so another thing that, that old Corey isn't like uh, too smart about is different kind of drugs and everything. So I assume it's cocaine because um, he snorts it. I don't know. I've never done cocaine. So I'm just going to call it dope and the shit and, uh, and, you know, and sound like I know what I'm talking about when I actually don't. <laughs> I'm going to call it that Colgate white. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, so we, we meet, we meet Steve Buscemi's testing the, the, the dope, the, the shit. Um, and then we meet Larry Fishburne as Jimmy Jump. And, uh, man, right out of the gate, dude, Jimmy Jump is just, he's so much fun, you know? Like, but at the same time, intimidating. You know, it's not one of those villains that are fun and, and goofy and you don't actually feel scared. I, I felt scared from Jimmy Jump, you know? Yeah. No, he's he, his energy was so frenetic and uh you know even if you've never seen this movie and i hadn't seen it in such a long time i forgot where the scene was gonna go like i'm like where it's gonna go to a shootout right it's gonna get there right maybe not i don't know wait is it it is right maybe not (laughs) we'll find out we'll find out (laughs) because but whatever happens i'm enjoying watching larry fishburne do it so Uh, with with his with his grill that he had on his teeth yeah, uh, with his Kangalo hat, just his whole look, his his gold chain, everything. Like, what's really funny is you could, if he was wearing that shit right now, people would think he was he looked dope. No, you know, it's yeah, it's like people would think, oh shit, yeah, man, that guy looks because very much like a style that's popular now with a well, lot of people. Yeah, well, the '90s uh, are coming back, just like we had uh, '80s fi- style and fashion came back a few years ago. Sad, uh, yeah. Now we got the '90s, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> 90s. Coming back, baby. The 90s. Nickelback. (laughs) No good. Um, All right. So what they're doing is they're buying some dope from Tito, who is a, I guess, a Colombian, you know, uh, kingpin drug dealer type of guy. And I I sometimes, you know, have a hard time figuring out the deals and stuff. And I tried to track that. So please correct me if I'm ever wrong about, like, what what the deal is and, like, what they're trying to do. But, um, yeah. Uh, basically, uh, they're testing it. They say it's good. Uh, Larry Fishburne, you know, and, and Steve Buscemi, they say it's good. And then, okay, Tito's like, okay, we're going to do the deal. But then now Tito's like, uh, plus 10% more. And then, you know, that's when Larry Fishburne's like, what? 10%, you know, yeah. and then does kind of has this whole back and forth. That's, that's fun. And I actually really liked the actor who played Tito. I was like, I was just kind of enjoying him. Um, but there was a one little funny part where, uh, Jimmy jump once, a once a Coke and, uh, he tells Tito to send like one of his, uh, security guard guys to go get him one. He's like, man, this guy's watching ca- cartoons over here. Kind of make, <laughs> makes fun of the guy, you know? He I like that. Soda. I yeah, like that he, he wants, wants a soda, soda through the whole movie. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like in that cup root beer. Yeah, root beer is kind of his his thing, his character choice, which which yeah. I like. I was like, yeah, good for Smart. him. Smart. Um, so that guy goes out of the room, but there's still like a couple other bodyguards in there, and of course Tito. So, you know, they they agree to do the the exchange. You know, Larry Fishburne's or I'm sorry, Jimmy Jump's pissed, but he's like, 
10%. Got to. He's like, take it or leave it. All right, fine. I'll I'll do it. You type of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hands him the briefcase with the money. Tito opens up the briefcase, and it's a bunch of tampons. <laughs> I love that. I do, too. And he's like, what the fuck is this for? And then fucking Jimmy Jump says, for the bullet holes, motherfucker. Pulls out two guns, and this is, I mean, fucking awesome, like John Woo shit. Yes. Blows the fuck out of fucking Tito. Uh, test tubes, uh, fucking Steve Buscemi pulls out a gun, shoots the other security guard, and then uh, uh, Larry Fishburne shoots the other one. And then... One of them kind of gets blown through the door, yes. and uh, Jimmy Jump's uh, second-in-command uh, guy, he comes in. He's like, room, who ordered room service, motherfucker? He's like the loud one, you know? And I think his name, I think he's billed as Blood or something yeah. in this, but he, he's funny. I like him. I liked Blood. Oh, Blood was great. I Yeah, I, I don't remember, I don't recognize him from anything else, but I'm like, that dude is He's got to been in some other shit that I've seen. He 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 has. I looked at his IMDb credits, and I'm like, oh yep, yep, seen him in that, seen him in that. You know, yep. Um, he's been working for a while, but I I enjoyed his character in this. I liked it, but it did make me think, like, if this was their plan, like, <laughs> I just hope that you know Jimmy Jimmy Jump knew that test tubes was going to be able to pull off that one shot and and actually take somebody out. You know, right. like th- this plan could have gone very wrong. Well, these dudes, they know their shit. They, they know do. Their shit. They do. That, that That is true. That is true. Um, cut to now sort of a, a, a scene of, like, Frank White, another slow scene, him kind of taking a shower, kind of, you know, enjoying his freedom. Uh, we see, like, a, a, a suit being put out for him. We see his uh, not Kim Basinger loading up his gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? The, the, did, you, did you think that the other, the blonde uh, security guard or his other bodyguard, to me, she looked like Kim Basinger. Yeah, she reminded me of, like, yeah, that, that uh, a little bit of, like, Rebecca Romaine kind of thing. Like, yeah. this, she's got to be, she probably was a model at some point, uh, you know have that look to her and uh she's she's great though like yeah. really really subtle and really like Teresa randall both really subtle in the way they approach themselves they were sexy but they didn't come off as being like you know gratuitous. slutty yeah it, it wasn't gratuitous it was it was very sexy it's very yeah. sexy it was it, and and they seemed capable too yeah because you got the sense that they wouldn't be in the position that they're at if they weren't capable yeah yeah, we'll save the gratuity for uh, the subway in a minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we get that that uh, you know iconic shot of him looking at the city with the city reflecting in the window, and uh, uh, the, his his uh, his other bodyguard girl comes up and kind of gives him his gun, and uh, he's in the the Plaza Hotel, and that's kind of his base of operations for for the entire movie. Um, but then. Kind of like he goes out into the. It's one of those big hotel rooms, like a like you know a penthouse hotel with like multiple rooms and everything. Like it's it's fucking huge. Yeah. And uh, you know, so he goes out and you know Jimmy Jimmy Jump and his gang are kind of like they're there. So at first, there's a little bit of you know what you realize after in a few minutes is faux tension. But at first, you're like, yeah. what's gonna happen? You know, and and you know. Jimmy Jump kind of walks in, kind of, you know, doing his tough guy thing, kind of acting like he's sizing up Frank White. Frank White's doing his standoff thing. And then they both sort of, like, erupt. You know, they they have this little go back and forth. And then you find out that, oh, man, they've gone back a long ways, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that, that's when uh, uh, Frank goes into the bop, bop, bop and starts <laughs> dancing. And it's awesome. It's, this is my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I was just going to say this entire scene is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, the, the chemistry between Christopher Walken and Lawrence Fishburne is fantastic. Uh, you can literally tell like it just it oozes chemistry between the two actors. And I just I like the sense that I feel like he's he pulled Jimmy up probably. Right. Like I feel like Jimmy probably worked his yes. way up through the through the ranks and everything. Yes. And uh, and they kind of have this this mutual respect for each other. Um, I, I like the fact that like. Jimmy never tries to like fuck Frank over or anything like it's a it's definitely a mutual respect thing and uh and it's not just it doesn't seem like it's just employer employee either you know yeah and and again going back to the casting um while I love James Russo the actor he's he's really good I don't it would not have worked he I think he turned down the role that's why uh Lawrence Fishburne really like pushed for this role I don't see anybody else playing this role. No, God, no. I mean, j- just like Frank White, uh, Christopher Walken, I can't see anybody else playing Jimmy Jump um, yeah. at all. So it's 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 one would say perfect casting. <laughs> whether totally. whether it was like serendipity or or what, it was it, it turned out to be just fantastic casting. Um, we find out that there's I guess there's like a party going on downstairs um, in the ballroom and Frank asks if you know they're gonna go downstairs if Jimmy Jump's gonna go downstairs meet everybody and of course he's like no I'm gonna get my knob polished and blood's like yeah you know it's it, it's cool um, but then as it. as they're leaving I love it man he just uh, just the the change on on Christopher Walken's face when he's kind of like smiling and then he kind of does this he like rubs his eye and rubs his nose and his face sort of turns a little bit more stony and he's like uh and so he says Jim and I like how he said Jim like right like it's it's like when your parent you know like I'm Corey but like you know my first name's Matthew and if someone if your parent goes Matthew Corey Stevenson you know you're just like "Uh oh and I like how he says Jim you know kind of and it's it's not so much like a dad it's more like he's talking to him like a person like a man you know he's not talking to him as Jimmy Jump he's like hey Jim um loved it it kind of gives me goosebumps actually uh he goes how come you never came to see me I love how Jimmy Jump he goes who wanted to see you in a cage man and I was like, yeah. "Fuck yeah, dude!" Like, like he's like, "Yeah, like you don't want to see your 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 mentor yeah. blow like that, you know." And yeah. and I liked uh, I liked how you know uh, Frank is like, "Yeah, man, you're right, you're right," you know. And that's yeah, kind of that. Cool that's exchange. that's yeah, and that's kind of how that you know ends. Bop bop, <laughs> bop bop bop. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Enough said. So good. So good. <laughs> oh, it's gonna it's gonna be this this is gonna be my next thing. People will be like, okay, the Moriarty was funny. Bop bop bop. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So downstairs, uh I guess it's the same hotel, right? Yeah, uh, I think so. Because it's weird because he says he's going to go downstairs, but then they do like this outside outside establishing shot with the limo pulling up. But um, yeah. I was like, okay, I think it's still the ballroom in the same hotel that he's at. I think so. Uh, I mean, it could be another restaurant. There, it's hard to tell like yeah. what is what's, but let's just say it's the same place. Yeah, con- yeah. Because he does he does say go you know go downstairs. Yeah. Um, we kind of have an establishing shot of uh, Joey uh, Del- 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 Delicio. Delicio, yeah. The yeah. Paul Cauldron. Cauldron? 
Jesus, I'm fucking Cal- everything Calderon. up. Calderon. 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 Okay. Uh, Joey, I'll call him Joey D moving forward. Um, cool. But he he's talking at a table. Some other people were not quite, you know, don't really know who they are yet. But the camera does start with him, so we can pretty much figure that he's going to be somebody, Joey D. Uh, then then we get an establishing shot of Frank entering the the ballroom, the restaurant, whatever it is. And he kind of enters from the upstairs area, you know, yeah. and, and kind of looking out over everybody. And uh, he makes his way into the ballroom. He's greeted by his uh, attorney, the old man, his old man attorney. Um, kind of makes his way through some people. Nothing, you know, nothing major or anything. Uh, and then finally makes his way to the table with uh, Joey D and and the rest of the entourage is there, and that in- including uh, Jennifer, who's his counsel, um, who's going to have <laughs> going to get. Well, I wouldn't say molested, but make you know made out with by him on the, on the subway. I think he d- I think he actually performs a breast cancer exam. exam. <laughs> yeah, he really does. This is a boob. <laughs> Feels um, feels like a big boob, cup size. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna I'm gonna save comments until we get to it. Sure, I mean <laughs> you just keep saying that, but we keep getting them. So yeah, sorry, sorry. That's, that's how I roll. I don't care, buddy. Make make all the comments you want. I bop, love bop, them. Bop. <laughs> bop, bop, bop. <laughs> oh, that yeah, that's gonna be the catchphrase for this yeah. one. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because we can't do the dance, you know, and no, uh, and can't. by the way, I have the, the gif of that. So I will be posting Hell that yeah, on, dude. <laughs> on Instagram. Oh, man. All right. So um, down at the table also uh, is Pete is a columnist. Uh, there's a, you know, whatever. It doesn't really come back Writer, later. But yeah, yeah there's a, a, a New York uh, paper columnist there. Um, Joey D's girlfriend is there. She's a little bitchy, it seems. Um, and then uh, Jennifer's there and. The only real two people that really matter in this entire table is Joey D and uh, Jennifer. Uh, Two people aside from Christopher Walken's character. Yeah. Right away, Frank, (laughs) he makes a statement that he wants to be mayor because someone asks, what do you you want to do now? Um, But he's very open about, you know, I mean, everyone knows who he is. It's it's great because you don't get any, like – I feel like this movie could have done well with having some kind of write up at the beginning, some you know, some kind of uh, thing establishing who he is and what Frank is. But the fact that you don't, you got to piece it together. I actually like that too. You don't ever know how long Frank has been away for. You don't ever know how long, like how big he was before he went away. Yeah. Um, but you get the sense that he is sort of like newsworthy. The fact that he's out of prison now and and people sort of know who he is and whatnot. But he he makes no bones about it. You know about his no. past. He wants Joey D to set up a meeting with Artie Clay, who yeah. is another gangster guy in town. Joey D does not think that will go well, does not want to do this. And, uh, you know, kind of Frank sort of, you know, you know, one of those sort of you have to do it sort of thing, you know, without yeah. saying it. Um, and uh, <laughs> Joey D kind of goes off in a bit of a huff. And he's like, well, I guess I'll see you guys later if I make it or something like that. Because I think yeah. he legit thinks he might die at this meeting. Yeah, I, uh, we haven't established whether we established that he's he's Frank's guy, but uh, he he's not always on board with what Frank wants to do. 
Well, I think it's because... Understandably so. Understandably so, because Joey D's the guy that has to go broker the, the meetings. With and the so mob he, boss, yeah. Yeah, he's the, yeah, he, he, yeah, so with other mob bosses. So anytime you enter the, the lion's den, you might not be making it, you know, back out the, right. the other side. So I think, he's, I think he's painfully aware of that. And I think, you know, seeing how upset he is to go, to go see Artie Clay gives you the sense of of how scared we should be of Artie Clay. Yeah, totally. Like it's shit, shit shit's going to go down pretty soon. And and that's good directing, that's good editing, that's good uh, uh writing even though you said that there's like a bigger version of this movie, but the fact that like Abel allowed us to learn about the Artie Clay character just via uh Joey D's um uh reaction I think that's 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 the best form of like craftsmanship because you don't have to explain it. You just let the 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 kid the the audience figure it out through the dialogue and through the action of their characters. Yeah, and I, and I have to point out a couple things. So uh, according to according to Abel Ferrara, this he, it took him like five years to to write the script for this film. So there was very little to no improv in this movie. Um, second of all, if you go on IMDb, which tends to be the source for you know the the best information on a movie the fun facts so to speak the trivia is not it's kind of all over the place uh in, in some respects because and, and it implies in some of the trivia that abel doesn't always he stretches the truth so to speak uh, so uh, there's a lot of times according to Abel Ferrara, you know, mm, and, and yeah. so, so I don't know what is necessarily fact or fiction. We'll just go on. We'll just say it is fact, you know, that it took five years to write the script. So, and originally the original cut was, uh, about two hours. And if you think about it, you know, that's 15 minutes that they almost 20 minutes, they shaved off the movie. Uh, to avoid an X rating. So mm. probably I'm thinking most of the dialogue when scenes were kept intact. Who knows what was actually cut? I'd love to see a director's cut. Bop, bop, bop. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, oh, you will love it. You will love it and you will learn to live with it. <laughs> uh, to finish this scene at the dinner table, uh, Frank kind of flirts with Jennifer, the counselor. You know, she's giving him the, you know, she's. you think that they're maybe at odds, but then he says to her, you can tell that they're flirting, and then he says to her, uh, you know what I'd like to do with you? I'd like to take you on the subway. And, like, everyone sort of looks and, ooh, you know, it's 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 ooh. Uh, ooh, it's risque. Uh, then we cut to Joey D., uh, showing up, showing up at a at a store that is clearly a front, you know, for a mob. Um, the the not the bouncer, but the the I guess the bodyguard for Artie Clay. I recognize the shit out of that guy uh, with all the tattoos on his arms and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was waiting for you to to mention him. His name is Robert Lasardo, and he's worth noting because the guy has been in just a million different things. Um, I remember one of his first movies he did was a Richard Pryor movie called moving, which is hilarious. Yes. yes I loved moving as a kid. That was a great movie. I love it when they, they put the, uh, the, they always think the dog is dead and they always put a piece of glass on his nose. Yeah. To see if he's alive. Yeah. There's a great, there's, he has a great line in the movie where he's, he's part of a, uh, truck moving company and they're packing up their Richard Pryor's house. And he goes in his Richard Pryor goes in his bedroom and he sees the guy going through his wife's, uh, lingerie drawer and he pulls out his under her underwear and he's like 
are these your wife's panties? And <laughs> Richard Pryor's like, would you give me that? <laughs> but that guy, Robert Lasardo, who's covered almost completely from head to toe in tattoos, yeah. not on his face. Uh, he like, he's legit actor. He went to Stella Adler school of acting in New York. Uh, he's from, and, and apparently he was, and it's worth noting, he, sp- he was in the Navy for two years and handled Navy attack dogs in the wow. Aleutian Islands. So uh, he's awesome. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. He, like you said, he's been in every freaking like, like gangster movie or, or he always plays a gang member, you know, and he's got yeah. a gazillion credits. Um, I actually would like to see him do some, and I'm sure he has, but do something a little bit more mainstream. I always liked him. I always think he's, he's fun. And, uh, I actually would not bump into him, but walk past him a lot in Santa Monica. Me too. When me I, too, yeah. Dude. Yep. Yep. You see, see him, him um, in bonds. Yep. Yep. Me too. I used and to I see him. Like, oh, uh, shit. Where I used to live on uh, 14th and Broadway, I used to see him uh, around the grocery store over there too. Apparently, he was in uh, the movie uh, Mule, the uh, the uh, Clint Eastwood movie. He, mm. He's got a pretty big role in that. So, okay. if so, you look up if his IMDb, he's got over 153 credits. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, and I'm sure like 53 of them are, are Law and Order. <laughs> yeah, because he got typecast quite a bit. Yeah, and it's nice to see that the guy is like you know legit. Yeah, no, he's awesome. He he's freaking awesome. I always like him, so I'm I was happy to see him in this. And I was like, oh, there's him, that guy, and he's so young, nice. <laughs> and he was also on CSI. So. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course he was. <laughs> I want to. Uh, I would love it if you inserted every time we mentioned CSI. If you inserted like the scream from uh, the 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 Who song, Who Are You? The yeah. Uh, because <laughs> yeah, we can't insert uh, any sound effects of us putting our sunglasses on. <laughs> <laughs> like old David Caruso. <laughs> oh, man. That's the murder she wrote of uh, our generation, dude. It really is. It really is. <laughs> um, so he, you know, uh, so Joey D goes there. Um, he asks to speak with, you know, Artie. And uh, Artie's in the back playing cards with his, you know, his his freaking mob boys or whatever boys boys and then uh so joey goes down he sits next to him he's like you know frank wants to talk uh that's it you know let's do business you know and Artie is just uh, really pissed off about that and he's like you uh, you know what you can tell frank he stands up and fucking pees on fucking joey d's you know foot and uh, he's like, you can tell. Basically, you can tell Frank to go fuck himself. Is 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 what it boils down to. And, yeah. And Joey D's like, look, if you want me to go back and and tell that to Frank, I will. And then that's when he's like, well, fuck you. And he pees on his fucking foot. You know. <laughs> I was like, man, to to be able to just to pee on cue like that is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, I was I was impressed. It looked like, and apparently that was legit too. So. Oh, that was his real pee. Uh, apparently, from what I found. Interesting. Interesting. According okay. to Abel Ferrara, so it's probably not true. T- take it with a grain of salt, then. Take it with a grain of Ferrara. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Zachy Poo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, and then now, here we go. Here we go. We cut to on the subway. Frank and Jennifer. finally, I can talk <laughs> <Finally>. about it. Pop, pop, pop. Just tell us what's going on. I'll let well, you do it. It's very. Uh, very sexy scene i so my girl she's on the subway with me and she's standing there i open up her blouse and she says nothing and i grab her i grab her boob feels good squishy (laughs) squishy soft feels like 
no lumpy he's inside there she's good very clean <laughs> but now he's and anyhow he's kissing her i'm kissing her and you can see my tongue go into her mouth but you don't see her tongue going to mine probably because it smelled like tobacco uh <laughs> like it's not a it's not, to me i'm like ha it's, it was not a sexy scene this is not no. sexy jack it was very like tabooish and a little violating violating um but what yeah. ends up happening right after is cool, but, you know. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, 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 he's not doing anything she doesn't want him to do. No, so it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 but I know what you mean. It's still, it feels like, well, it feels like us as the viewer are sort of seeing something we're, we're you know, we're not supposed to be seeing, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not sexy, but it's definitely fun. As when I was younger, <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, it wasn't fun for me. It's more of an exam, but um, yeah, yeah. They look cool. Uh, they they look cool. They got good style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, some some a group of toughs, you know, co- like kind of go into their uh, they car. They want to tussle. They want to tussle. Yeah, they want to tussle. They want to, you know, they're like, hey, give us your purse. And they have a knife. And uh, they just, they grab her purse away from her. And then he's like, whoa. And he kind of like oh. flashes the, the the gun that he has in his waistband. And, you know, so of course the three kids kind of like start stepping away. One of them puts the the, the purse on, on the chair. And <laughs> uh, and this is the coolest fucking part. I love this. Yeah, fucking, uh, he reaches into his pocket. Frank reaches into his pocket, pulls out a fat fucking wad of money tosses it at the kid and says uh come find me at the plaza hotel uh ask for frank white in the lobby i have work for you and they kind of like leave but i was like man that is so fucking baller when someone tries to rob you and then you fucking just make them work for you yeah yeah he's like look i can make your life better yeah and that's feels their pain and, and it never comes out and says it but his like I mean, I, we all know that. I guess, like, the, the – all right, so King of New York sort of postulates a, a New York where uh, all the different, uh, you know, gang heads are sort of – it's it's kind of, you know, the Italians, the the, the Chinese, the – you know. The, and then Christopher Walken is sort of uh, – he's got the African-American guys with him. It's it's very segregated. It's very, like, team versus team sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, Christopher Walken is sort of the – what the everyman guy is sort of the he's he's cool with the, the 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 people on the street sort of thing yeah i'm just trying to think of like I'm, yeah what am i trying I'm, to say he's, he's no no you're right it's it's it it is not um it is very segregated and like everybody's got their own borough of where they you know handle their turf and he's slowly trying to take everybody out one by one you know so yeah uh you get at least you get that sense especially from the beginning taking out like you know the 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 Cuban community and the you know the right so it's yeah like n- now he's gonna head on over to the Italians now he's yep now he's gonna head on over to the Italian community and uh, you get a like, you don't always get a sense of is it the same night I I mean I guess this scene is but there's a scene later where I wasn't quite sure if it was like the same night or a different uh, night but um uh, or like even like what time it is you know how late it is but you know uh frank frank got the message so um back at artie's place uh you know basically frank and his entire gang just roll in 
And, uh, you know, Frank's like, yeah, you know, I want to I want to seat at the table type of thing. I want to play cards with you guys. And but it's, it's one of those, you know, every, you know, very tense, you know, and Frank yeah. starts, you know, dealing the cards and, you know, he's greeting everybody. But, you know, Artie's like giving him the fuck you face like you, you piece of shit, you know, and yeah. uh, and, and Artie is clearly like a, a blowhard. He's he's well, I'm sure he's capable, but he's he's very sort of outspoken and, and gruff and, you know, and everything. Thing. and um and frank's basically is like look from here on out i want a cut of everything i want you know a, a dime bag and doesn't get sold in central park without me getting a cut you know and um <laughs> of course Artie's like you know uh, so so he he says his piece and then frank's about to leave and if Artie's like basically opens his big fucking mouth frank turns around Blows him the fuck away, you know, and I, and I love how the Artie's security guard guy is like just standing, you know, next to Artie as he gets blasted away. And uh, the 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 actor we were talking about earlier, what, what's his name again? Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. right. Yeah, just just shot out of both of our brains. The, the gentleman with the uh, the tattoos up his Sorry, arm, Rob, Robert Lasardo. Yeah, yeah, Robert Lasardo. So his goon character kind of is like oh my god you know totally totally shocked by the, the well thing. did you notice did you notice he had a yes. um uh what do you call it well now i'm blanking on that he, thing, he had, thing a, you put an ear, ear. he had an ear plug in uh when so that because they were shooting inside like of a building so yeah. he had an ear plug in when he kind of moved away you could you could see it I, so I clearly it he was like you yeah. know it, yeah and it reminded me a little bit of um when he when he shoots them, he does it with like he does that like pop pop. There's like kind of like that da da da. Yeah, and he kept on going. He kept yeah, Cause he kept he, going. It was really cool. It was like he was like he'd like get mad and then he'd punctuate what he was saying by putting another bullet into Artie's dead body. You know, it's yeah. like but but I love this is where you start getting the sense of of who Frank is and what his motivation is. He's like, you know you all got fat while everyone else starved on the streets. And now you're sort of tying back into what he was seeing when he was driving yeah. around and what's going on in his head. And he's just pissed that like, you know, like how could you already, how could you just like, like let everyone just sort of like, how could you let this city slide into such, you know, poverty uh, sort of under your watch type of thing. But I love the fact that after he kills Artie, he's like, look, you guys all tired of being fucking bled dry by this asshole? Come and work for me. Everyone is welcome. And I yeah, love, love that because when he leaves, our boy, who I just forgot his name again. Robert Lasardo. There you go. And in the and like another goon kind of just like follow him out. So like and I love that this yeah, is gonna like, be a Come theme. On, yeah, he's like he's like, Yeah, well, there's nothing else here, so let's do this. But this is gonna be like this awesome theme throughout the entire movie where basically uh, he's he just he's acquiring power and but you see it, it Abel Farrar does a great job of showing you how Frank is acquiring power because his group just keeps getting more and more people that he picks up from other groups it's it's yeah. really clever a clever way to show him growing um it's it's really cool pop 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 <laughs> pop 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 <laughs> I don't know how to end the scene now without you saying bop, bop, bop. I know, I know, I know. I got it. I got it. I'm just I like, wait. I'm like, are, are we, is the scene over? I don't know. Until bop, you bop, say bop, bop, bop. I don't know if the scene's <laughs> over or not. <laughs> All right. Let me find out where we are. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have kind of like just a real quick establishing shot of Roy Bishop, uh, uh, played by Victor Argo, 
kind of just sitting at his um, desk at his house, uh, smoking, drinking, and just, uh, you know, doing police tap, 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 typey, typey work on his computer. Yeah. He's but, the you know, worst he, typer in the world. I know, way. I know. and you, But you get the sense that he's starting to dig back into Frank's, um, you know, uh, case or, yeah. or build a new one against him or whatever. But you find out later that he's kind of the, the main guy against Frank. Him, He's the head of the, the detective squad, essentially. And he's he's on his last legs too, physically. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's drinking, taking pills. Yep the 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 typical like cop like you know uh, burned out and everything. Yep, yep. It's a hard life. Um, we cut to a Broadway play. I guess some kind. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a real Broadway play or not, but it's something about a prison, I guess, uh, and about inmates. And yeah. uh, but, you know, it's very Broadway esque. And, you know, for someone who literally just got out of jail, uh, Frank White is very bored by it because he's <laughs> like, well, clearly none of this is right. You know, I'm sure he's thinking. Right. Every scene feels like it's so exploitative. It's not what happened <laughs> to me. It's not right. It's not good. <laughs> uh... Um, and then, uh, let's see. So after the play, um, we see that Frank meets up with councilman, uh, Tanner is I think his name was. Yeah. Yeah. Who was he played by again? Um, yeah, his, his, um, sorry about that. I mean, Roger Guinevere Smith. Okay. Yeah. Who I know from, of course, like I said, from do the right thing. Yep. Yeah. So I want to watch do the right thing. <laughs> uh, and him and him and his wife, who, who she reminded me of, a little, she had a little Ray Don Chong uh, look about her, yes. a smidge. Yeah, everybody, you know, and I don't mean this in a demeaning or sexist way, but uh, everybody was very attractive in this yeah. film. And like, you know, uh, Roger Guinevere Smith has a very interesting look. His nose almost doesn't look real because he, he's just it's like a, he's got a very unique face. Uh, he's really good at playing like a, a snooty guy. Yeah. To and go he's kind from of like, yeah, go ahead. No, he's, I was gonna say he's kind of like that here. Yeah. To go from, you know, and do the right thing. He's a very sympathetic character that you have a lot of, you know, you feel bad for. And then to go into this where you're just like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're uppity asshole you know yeah you're you're like a, a typical yeah council me- member whatever uh a government guy that doesn't yep. care about the people type of thing um and w- so now we actually get kind of i guess the macguffin of the film uh the motive the true motivation for um frank white and that is he wants to save this south bronx um um hospital that i guess is kind of like in his neighborhood and he goes up to talk to the to tanner um the council member and he he says you know like what's going on because he finds out that there's no money in the fiscal budget for the hospital and they're going to basically have to shut it down and he has this kind of back and forth with uh with the guy um frank white's um uh his uh his attorney is with him at, at the same time too so he's kind of hearing the whole thing but uh basically the tanner says look you know we just don't have the money you know basically that's it you want to fund it you know you can and i think it's uh let me see i think i wrote it down he said there, you know we don't have enough money in the budget he's like you can just fund it yourself if you have 16 million dollars frank frank basically says all right you know what i'll do that uh, i i want to keep the hospital open 
you can basically, you know, I'm going to do that. And of course, like his, his, you know, lawyers, like what, like, what are you talking about? You know, and that whole thing. But this kind of, I, this sets the in motion. This is what, this is what, you know, his true motivation for this movie is now at this point. Pop, pop, pop. Pop, pop, pop. And so now we go out into the lobby. I said, when I was taking notes, I wrote concession stand. And I was like, uh, that's not really a concession stand. This is not the movie theaters. This no, but if you bar. go to a Broadway show in uh, in, in L.A., it's the concession stand. Like everybody's out there, oh, where's my T-shirt? Where's yeah. my popcorn? <laughs> this Fuck. is more of a classy uh, bar scenario. Seems classy, yeah. Yeah, right. on Broadway. Um, and then... He basically, uh, as he's while Frank's at the the bar, um, you know, Caruso and Wesley Snipes and uh, Victor Argo, that the the police squad essentially roll up on him and uh, kind of flank him, you know, and yep. uh, sort of walk him out of there. The whole thing, and then as they go outside, uh, Frank's counsel uh, uh, counselor, or I should say, uh, his his attorney, the old man, kind of uh, is like, "What are you doing?" You know, and and then. The cops are like, you know, we're just taking them downtown, so feel free to follow us if you want. And then they immediately start driving, like, the wrong way down, like, Broadway, like, driving in traffic. And you're like, what the hell is happening? But they're they're doing it so that they can completely lose uh, the lawyer. And, and you know, it's, it's cool. I, I like that little idea that they did. And then they basically take uh, Frank to, like, this, like, under a bridge sort of thing. And uh, pop the trunk, and in the back of the trunk is the dead body of Tito. And uh, so they're now they're like, all right, talk to us. You know, like, what's going on? Yeah. And not in a nice way. They're, they're like, fuck you, Frank, what's happening? And then, you know, right away, Frank's not stupid. He's like, uh, are you arresting me? I don't know who this is. Like, why did they even think that, like, this would, like, he would crack here, you know? Yeah, it... it, it... It's a little bit of a disjointed scene. It's just for me because it's just like it's almost wanting to accelerate the the plot a little bit, uh, or like give them the motivation. Like, yeah, he was killed, and but they're trying. They they're like expecting Frank to confess or something in, in that, at that point. Right. Um, yeah. That that was. But you know, nevertheless, it was a good scene to see David Caruso acting like spouting his mouth off, hothead. Yeah. And Wesley Snipes, you know, being his, you know, cocky self, too. And I do want to point out that Wesley Snipes and David Crusoe apparently were buddies before this. They've known oh, each cool. other for a while. And this movie kind of helped them both equally get uh, like David Crusoe kind of had a hand in getting Wesley Snipes hired for this. And then Wesley Snipes, you know, did New Jack City after this, obviously, which was his bigger kind of claim to fame. Yeah. You know, uh but there's a great line that that uh Gilly who uh you know is David Caruso's character has with uh with Frank um hold on I'm just, sorry I'm going to pull it up really quick. Yeah, so there's a, the great line is when uh Gilly says, you know, I heard I heard a rumor about you and Frank's like, what's that? I heard you got AIDS getting dicked up your ass in prison. That's what I heard. <laughs> I know. I, I Frank love says, that. I thought about you every time I jerked off, dickhead. Oh. <laughs> I 
back in high school, my buddy Luke and I, if I remember correctly, we would say shit like, oh, that's what I heard. And we were always channeling that line that David Caruso <laughs> awesome, said. Dude. It was it was a great delivery. He's such a fucking asshole in this movie uh, yeah. that, I, that I love it. Uh, and I also love it, uh, Wesley Snipes. You know, he gets all like in, in uh, Frank White's face and fucking Frank just fucking punches him right in the face and like beats the crap out of him under the bridge and yeah. uh, i love that I, I feel like i feel like post new jack city uh wesley snipes wouldn't have allowed his character to sort of you know uh being punched down like that but here it worked great and and frank just just beats the crap out of him before basically david caruso pulls him off yeah, you're you're not supposed to like the cops, and it's understandably so. Yeah, th- this movie's yeah, this movie's definitely coming from the point of view of the the criminal and not the cops. Yeah. Um, but I I do enjoy the cops in this movie, and I guess I I think I, I think it is one of the things that I like about this movie that uh, a lot of times. For me, like Goodfellas doesn't have, I actually, I like the cop aspect in this. I like that we see and get to know more about them, especially before most of them die. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have, uh, you don't really have that aspect in in the Scorsese movies. Yeah. You know, Um, I was trying, I'm trying to think back a little bit just briefly. And no, I don't think you do, which is, you know, and it just dawned on me too. I have to, I have to point out, uh, earlier this is going way back to when we when they were having dinner and and frank comes to uh, sees uh paul calderon's character uh and there's another woman sitting at the table her name's uh actor's name is vanessa angel and she's like a she was in the tv version of weird science okay so i just wanted to point that out yeah is that the lady who like had one line in one like camera shot on her and that was it yeah just for a second and then then there was like the asian actress who, who was, was really Je- Joey's D's uh, kind of, I think, girlfriend. But you only saw her in this one scene, and her name in the movie is the same as her name is in real life. Yes, and she's annoying. She's an annoying character, and I hate the fact that she looks directly at the camera. That's always been something that's always pissed me off uh, about filmmakers. Jonathan Demme would do it, like in Science of the Lambs, where they look directly at the camera, okay. like they're looking at you. Yeah. But they don't do it consistently, so you feel like, what was the point of that? It just for me, I just that's that's a that's a technique I've never been a fan of. But I just had to put that out there. And I do know I did notice uh, her look at the camera, like you said, yeah. and I did notice her be annoying as fuck. And I was glad that she was not in it that much. <laughs> yes, yeah, she, yeah. You won't hear from her again. No, no. Thank, thank God. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's already a packed movie. We don't need any more characters, especially if they're going to be annoying. No, dude. Of course. Not. Um, they basically they leave. Frank under the the bridge. That's it. Um, they, the cops drive off. They leave him there. Yeah. They drive off with the dead body of Tito in the trunk, basically. <laughs> fine. Uh, Take yeah, him back fine. to the morgue. Yeah. Uh, now, and I like this, too, because, like, once we get established with the cops, now we sort of follow the cops story-wise a little bit just to kind of uh, – I, I, I just – I like the structure of that. We, we follow Frank until uh, Abel introduces the cops. There's a little bit of, like, a Venn diagram with the characters overlapping, and now we're going to just go into getting some – some little bit of the cop side of things and i you know he doesn't you know abel doesn't do like give it like totally 50 50 it's not like a 50 50 thing where like you see 100 percent both sides but i do think he tries to to show you the cop side of things and and, yeah. and how frustrating it is for them 
yeah, Bishop is Bishop is really like this the the only sympathetic one out of out of the the trio in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think so too. You know, the other ones are just cocky and David Crusoe's an he's a dick. Like he just he's such an unlikable character uh which is you know, means he did a good job as as an actor. Yeah, no, it's it's funny cuz he he is an unlikable character but then David Caruso is so charismatic that it's like, you're like, I don't really like Gilly, but I kind of do. I'm not quite sure. You know, I guess it just boils down to, he's just fun to watch, you know, but you're not, you're not really ever rooting for Gilly. Every time you say his name, I want to go. (laughs) (laughs) And then put your sunglasses on or or take them off. You know, whatever he fucking does. Um, but uh, but we do get some establishing stuff here. We're at um, this looks now. This is a bar in Brooklyn. This I can definitely tell this is Brooklyn here. Yeah. And uh, David Cruz is basically uh, the best man of this young cop. I think the, the kid's name is Kip. Um, I think it's uh, Tip. Tip. Okay, there you go. Uh, you know he's getting married. He of course he's the the young rookie detective. He's the tip. You know that he's not going to survive this movie because he's <laughs> yeah. got a very bright future of he- ahead of him. He's the- tip tip of my balls oh but david crusoe he does a great like like a toast monologue sort of toast thing it's 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 fun you know it's it's well delivered and fun and then you just kind of get it's it's just a lot of um character stuff you get uh you know tom flanagan this is when you said earlier when he calls out you know wesley snipes for being the the only african-american guy at a at a at a what a a cop wedding you know uh and and but you know and then uh, Tom, Tommy, Wesley Snipes' character kind of, you know, fires back and, and whatnot. And, and Tom's wife is there and everyone, you know, it's it's a good day. It's one of those nice moments where you just get to know all the characters and, and what. And, of course, all the people that have good lives with, like, po- like bright futures and uh, wives and kids, they're all going to die. Well, did you recognize uh, Tip at all? The, the brother? Yes, I did, but I never put it together. So he, I mean, if you look him up on IMDb, his name's James Lawrence. I just wanted to point out because it, it really fits in our pad. Um, he's been in a shit ton of stuff, everything from very mainstream type things, you know, from like Bridge of Spies and uh, The Irishman to RoboCop 3. Hey. And But then you, then you go down and you're like, oh, he was in uh, The Jerky Boys. He played Brett Weir, which is the name they always <laughs> reference. That movie sucks, by the way. But uh, but it's just a funny, the fact that he plays Brett Weir. And I think he's like the main bad guy in the movie. And then you keep scrolling down. And you're like, oh, he was in The King of New York. Yeah, oh, Frankenhooker. Cool, cool. Oh, yeah. Frankenhooker, yeah. And then, uh, then you get to his first film he was ever in. And this is what I know him from. Street Trash. Ah, there you go. Okay. So he's and he's great in Street Trash. Uh, I mean, great is very subjective, but <laughs> he's great at Street Trash. <laughs> Come on, Street Trash. Now, now, did you say? Did you call him his brother? He, he's. He, I don't think he was uh, uh, David Cruz's brother. Oh, I thought he was. I was, okay, I was okay. confused. Okay. Well, no. I mean, you could be right. I, I didn't pick up on that. I, I can't confirm it. I never thought so. But I, why else would he be his best man unless they're they're clearly best friends? So yeah, they're at least that. And, um, and yeah, I think so. And 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 I I know. And this is me jumping all over the place. It, it just pointed it out, and it just dawned on me finally because in the in the when I was watching it in the movie, I'm like, I know this fucking guy from somewhere. Where this is a young version of someone. Who is it? Who is it? On the subway, 
in that faithful faithful scene with uh, Frank and, and the counselor and the thugs come in to mug them. Yeah. Are you talking about the main one? The, the yeah, kid, the, the, the leader. Did you oh, recognize yeah. who that was? Oh, God, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's it's Harold. Uh, I think I'm mispronouncing his name. It's Perrin, Perrineau. Mm-hmm. And the guy from Romeo and Juliet, The Edge, like mm-hmm. he's been in a shit ton Matrix. Uh the, the guy, like, you know him if you saw him. You'd be like, oh, shit, yeah, I know that guy. Like, he's been yeah. in a ton of things. Yeah, yeah. He was, I think he was one of the, on the Matrix one, the the, the guys in the ship or something. Or yep. something, like, later on, I think it was the sequels or whatever. But, yeah, dude, I, again, he was, an, like I said, another actor that I was like, holy shit, this movie has, like, so many people in it that are going to blow up soon. And it's just, it. there's no, almost no role that I didn't recognize the, the person from it. Yeah, dude. I, and he was also in 28 Weeks Later, which I mm-hmm. love 28 Weeks Later. And you know what else he was in? CSI. <laughs> Real quick, 28 Weeks Later, I think, is a very good sequel. And uh, in, in a world where we have a very like a handful of sequels that are as good as the original, I think that one is one of them. It has its problems, but I, I found it to be highly entertaining. I actually like it more than the original, personally. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna second that one. To be honest with you, it's got so. Jeremy Renner in it. I mean, yeah, how fucking it's Jeremy got Je- Renner. It's got Jeremy Renner getting consumed by a flamethrower in it. <laughs> Dude, yeah, but he he's just, he's he's like the the Hicks of our of our of, our, of the of this generation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Deviation. <laughs> Deviation. Pop pop pop. Ah, there we go. All right. Next scene. <laughs> um, so now we have uh, uh, Joey D is meeting with my favorite rival gang member, uh, Larry, uh, who I love. Just I, I loved everything about this actor and how he delivered his lines. And, and uh, man, he was great. He was and he's been in a shit ton of stuff, too, of course. Yeah. But um, so. So here's why I have a hard time, like, trying to figure out, like, with the, the plots and stuff. So Joey D is talking to Larry in a, in a movie theater, which I enjoy. It's, like, a private theater, and he's watching Nosferatu yeah. uh, on the screen. And he's kind of got his gang or kind of spread out. But it's, like, a it's the theater's all theirs, and there's maybe only, like, five people in it. So they're kind of spread out. But Joey D sitting next to Larry, and they're talking. So So Larry has, like, basically a shit ton of dope, right? Like, a shit ton of good dope. And, you know, I, I guess he doesn't quite know how to move it, um, but he's sort of sitting on it. And then uh, Joey D is like, hey, Frank, let's let's talk. Right. And of yeah. course, you know, Joey D's like, uh, I'm sorry, of course, Larry's like, I'm not fucking Artie, you know, Clay. I'm not some asshole basically just going to sit across from him like he's going to need some guarantees that he's not going to get wasted. But basically saying I'm not an asshole. Right. Yeah. Like Artie is. Um, but ultimately, you know, he, he agrees to talk and, and Joey, Joey D leaves, you know, and, uh, you know, going to take the message back to Frank. And I love how Larry's like, stick around. We're going to watch Frankenstein next. And it was, it was such a weird ADR line that kind yeah. of like, like he, he kind of slept. It's sort of like he it was almost like Larry fell asleep saying the line or something. It was, it was really weird, but I, I liked it for some reason. Yeah. It was, it, and it's a, it's a fun scene. I love, I was annoyed by IMDb. They're like, and you can see that Frank's character is very similar to Nosferatu because they both come out at night and they're both lurking in the shadows. I'm like, no, no, don't, no. don't fucking draw a comparison no. to Nosferatu and Frank's character. It's shut up, IMDb. Yeah. Sometimes you, IMDb needs to just check itself before it wrecks itself. 
I mean, you, you can say that about any criminals because yeah, most dude. criminals do their thing at night. So yeah, that 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 is stupid. He's like Roadblock <laughs> from GI Joe because he dances. No, I'm just kidding. Because he talks in rhymes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right. So now we have Jimmy Jump is in. Uh, he's basically him and his buddy Blood um, are stopping at a, I guess, a fried chicken joint in yeah. the city. Uh, you know, it's it's the Bronx, Harlem, whatever. It's it's you know lower income area. Um, he he walks in and just immediately gives the ship gives the kid behind the counter just shit. Which you know that kid is also giving Jimmy shit. Uh, uh, and it just it's it's a fun exchange um and then you know jimmy jimmy jump is ordering like a ridiculous amount of food well we, we find out later it's like 50 dollars worth of food and so like 1990 money you gotta figure that was probably about 90 dollars today yeah it was it's a lot of food i love um, how fast it came out too i know i know so right? much well, food think, in yeah, like done yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it was already pretty much all prepared, and that's why he asked if he had any uh, coleslaw or potato salad or something. Um, but the guy behind the counter kind of yells at these these kids. Like, in the kids, that they're like eight years old. They're playing on uh, some arcade machines, one of which is Operation Wolf, which I, love I loved game. as a kid. Is that the one with the helicopter where you rescue the, the people? It was the one where the had the Uzi, the you know the machine gun that you played oh, yeah, with. That's right. Yeah, the gun thing. It was like the first of the of the gun controller games. Yeah, yeah, love that game as a kid. I played it at putt putt all the time. <laughs> I think it came out on on NES too, if I, if I remember correctly. I'm sure it sucked though. I'm sure it yeah. wasn't the same. Yeah, it, yeah, not not at all. Um, but uh, but you <laughs> I'm know, sure. it, <laughs> the the guy behind the counter. Get, yells at the kids, you know, and and Jimmy Jump is like, man, what the fuck's wrong with you, you know? Yeah. And again, I, I now this is another part that I really like about his character. He he basically, while the guy's making his food, Jimmy Jump walks over to the the kids and like basically their grandmother, and uh, he gives the kids basically just a handful of quarters. And I like how he's like, uh, ma'am, no disrespect, but just make sure the kids get whatever they need. And he gave them the lady like a hundred dollars. Yeah. And I I but I liked how. I, I like that. how he acted. I liked how he didn't come over there. Like when he interacted with the kids and he interacted with the lady, yeah. he didn't act tough. You know, like he, he was acting very nice and sweet with them. And I was like, that's cool, man. Like you really don't see that much of that aspect of his character too much. But I am so happy that we did because it, it, it doesn't make you like sort of root for Jimmy Jump or anything. But he kind of it just it gives you a sense that he's, he's more human than just a cardboard cutout of a villain. I think it does a little bit of giving him you want to root in a in a in a, a a warped way you want to root for them they are they're like that you know yeah they're drug dealers and you don't and this is the part where I think it was probably intentional on Abel, Abel Ferrara's uh part the fact that they don't show the, them giving drugs to people the fact that they don't show them you know people strung out on coke throughout the movie paints them in a more positive light because it's not showing them as like this is what drugs do to your body it's more like no these guys are you know they're just they're just businessmen just like everybody else is kind of thing and i think you know who knows the motivation behind that but i think that's pretty clear that he wants them to be perceived as like yeah they're bad guys but they're good bad guys yeah they're they're for the people you know Yeah, and I, I like it, man. I, I I really, really do. And you're a hundred percent correct. Uh, and I didn't even sort of put it together, but they really don't 
show the negative side of their lifestyle, you yeah. know, until they all pretty much die. But like up until then, it's not really negative. And, and also in the sense that, yeah, like you said, you don't see the, them taking advantage of like, you know, druggies and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, like you don't see that typical scene of the drug dealer or not drug dealer, but like user coming up to them being like, you know, help me. And, you know, them kind of extorting the person that, that you always sort of see in these type of movies. So yeah, you're right. I think it was a, a definitely a, a choice that was made to kind of keep that aspect away from it so that us as the viewer can just completely be on their side, at least as much as we possibly can. Yeah, I think so. Pop, 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 pop. Although the scene's not over. Sorry. So, <laughs> um, so real, we do see like while this is all happening, uh, Larry, Larry, uh, Jimmy Jump gets his food. He's like, "How much is this gonna be? Fifty bucks?" And he kind of basically is about to stiff the guy when he turns around and the cops are coming right in. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because it was kind of funny seeing blood get sort of taken down in the background while you know like this was going on in the foreground. But the police bust in. Uh, they get Jimmy Jump. They say that they have a witness on his uh, shooting with, at Tito's. And he's like, man, I don't leave no witnesses. And they're like, yeah, you did. you know. Yeah. So they, they take him out. And now, pop, 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 new scene. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. I do love the fact that after he, after he gives him the food and he tells him the total, he's like, man, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, at the now we are at the South Bronx Hotel. No, Jesus. Now we're at the South Bronx Hospital. Now we're at the Red Roof Inn. <laughs> Just kidding. Doubling as the South Bronx Hospital. Uh, Frank Frank White is kind of showing Larry around, and you know, it doesn't really come out to much of anything. But you know, you get the sense that Frank really does care about this you know and i think he's hoping that maybe larry will too but you yep. know as as you find out that you know he really doesn't larry doesn't give a rat's ass about it but nope. i do get the sense that it was it is sort of convenient for them to have this conversation here because there's nobody around but kids you know yep. but i do get the sense that he's kind frank is trying to kind to like appeal to larry's human nature which Larry doesn't really have, unfortunately. No, and and when you said you you recognized him from other things, I, I looked him up because I'm like, yeah, I recognize him too. What what was he in? Um, he played Ronnie Chang in Year of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. He played Su Shin in China Girl, and he's got five titles that he was in. Um, typecast, possibly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. perhaps, but maybe he's still a good actor. So yeah, I mean, nevertheless, I recognize so, him from Year of the Dragon. Yeah, You're the Dragon's great. It's, it's, that's a kick-ass movie. Uh, Michael Cimino directed that, who did, um, oh gosh, A Thin Red Line. I think it was Thin thin Red Line that he did. Anyways, uh, and then China Girl was also an Abel Ferrara movie. Um, sorry, Michael Cimino did not do Thin Red Line, but he did do Deer Hunter. Oh, okay. So yeah. There you go. Anyways, yeah. sorry. You're no, the Dragon's okay. fun, fun film. I start. I just started thinking about um, what was it? Black Rain. What was the movie with? Black Rain's great. Michael is Douglas. That, yeah, Michael Douglas. Isn't that where his friend gets his head cut off, like on by a samurai yeah. sword or something? Yeah. Uh, uh, what's this? Andy Garcia. Yeah. And it's Ridley Scott directed that shit. And, I haven't uh, seen that movie in forever, and uh, I was I was kind of in the mood to watch it too. That movie's dope. That's worth owning, in my opinion. I love nice. that movie. 
I, that one I probably have not seen that in 30 years, dude. I I, I, Me too. I would like to revisit that one. Yeah, so making a little Douglas. mental note to myself to to look for that on on streaming. Probably Tubi. Tubi is where it'll be found. <laughs> from, uh, from our good friend Steve uh, Tubi. Oh yeah, Steve Kazansky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, he loves his Tubi, man. Um, <laughs> all right, where the hell are we, guys? Where yeah, bop, the bop, fuck? You just well, bop. no, no. Jimmy just got arrested. Oh, sorry. We're at the we're at the, yeah, we're the, the, the hospital. Hospital. Yep. So, um, so Frank is, so he proposes to Larry that Larry puts up the dope, um, and then Frank will basically put up the people, the sellers and, uh, you know, the, the, the bodies to kind of move it, uh, will also, you know, take all the responsibility if anything happens, you know, take all the danger and then they split it. Of course, Larry wants nothing to do with that. Uh, you know, he wants straight straight money for his product. Just that's it, money. You know, I don't want to. You know, and, and and it's like he thinks he has a shit ton of like worth of of dope, but like Frank kind of explains to him how it's gonna play out. I, a lot of this stuff in these kind of movies, I I have a hard time following. I guess you know, uh, you know the whole money stuff and and the the dealing, right? The 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 wheeling dealing. Yeah, look, I, I, um, when shit I'm like a drug that happen- dealer, so I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. It's right. It's like so. Larry just has a bunch of shit he wants to move. Frank's like, we'll do it together. But Larry's like, no, buy it from me. That's what it basically boils down to, right? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> maybe that's why I, I guess I don't watch a lot of crime movies because I have a hard time. <laughs> Figuring out like what the motivations are and like how are you exactly making money? I don't quite get it. But then I like the killing. That's what I always enjoy is the action. You know, I equate it to listening to politics. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck is infrastructure? I know, you know. <laughs> Sorry, like pork bellies. I don't, you know. Oh, you know. I, like, look, I I was terrible at uh at that shit when I was in high school. So, mm-hmm. me too, dude. Me too. I. Uh... Again, no clue. And actually, there's a connection there because at the end of the day, it's it's uh, people get <laughs> murdered for uh, <laughs> politics and, you know, and for drugs. Yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a line right here where they're talking, and Larry says something about like you know take it or leave it sort of thing. And I'm watching it with si- subtitles on, by the way. And Christopher Walken says something so under his breath. That the subtitles didn't say what it was. And then immediately after, that's when Larry says, you know what, Frank, I, 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 because of this meeting, I now really – I realize how crazy you really are. And I rewound it like five times. I had my volume is normally on 20. I turned it up to like 50 to try to hear what Frank mumbled under his yeah. breath. They didn't even fucking put a subtitle for it because the subtitle couldn't even hear it. So I don't even know what he said. But all I know is uh, basically, Larry, the deal's not going to happen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't Did, catch it either. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, of course not. Like, who, who the, yeah. If anyone knows what the hell Christopher Walken said in that line, please tell me, because I, I literally turned my volume up like like triple like what it normally is, and I still couldn't understand it. He said, uh, bop, bop, bop. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, Blake. And then he went, yeah, <laughs> and he took his sunglasses off. <laughs> 
fuck, dude. That was a good one. That was a good one. You got me on that one. <laughs> and I feel like I walked right into it, too. You totally walked <laughs> into did. it. I did. Oh, man, that's why I love you, buddy. That's why I love <laughs> you. Ditto. Um, all right, so back at the Plaza Hotel, uh, Frank White and Giancarlo Esposito are uh, kind of walking back in. Uh, the, the gang's all there, which I enjoy. The, the kid from from the subway is there. Yeah. Um, you know, the the secure uh, the security guard from Artie with all the tattoos is there. Yep. And I like how they're like all mingling and, and it's like, yeah, his little group is growing and they've turned like that that hotel into like a little makeshift office and, and you know, they've got their computers up with their green and black DOS screens and <laughs> clearly, you know, don't they tell the cleaning ladies to, to not come in, you know, they leave the, the do not disturbed uh, sign on the door. probably all the time (laughs) um but they find out uh uh uh, frank's counsel uh jennifer uh she tells frank that jimmy jump got got picked up and that one of uh tito's men survived and i didn't kind of pick up on this the first time when i watched it like what they had on jimmy jump but they basically said i guess one of those guys survived but there's no scene of the cops talking to the guy so like i don't even know which of the people that were in that shootout is the one that survived clearly it's not tito yeah but someone did survive and is alive and awake and uh, fingered Jimmy Jump. And uh, basically, he's going to have a murder one rap on him. And uh, she tells she tells Frank that basically each member of the of the, of the team, I think they have like a mill uh, bail per person. And Frank's like, post it. And she's like, that's stupid. Like, that won't help anything. He's like, fucking post the bail. And you ask Bishop to basically drop this before I fucking blow his brains out everywhere. So yeah, I love that. I, yeah. I was like that too. I was like, that's ah, fucking cool. You know? And, uh, she, that never really comes to anything. She doesn't ever have that conversation with Bishop unless it was one of the things that was cut. Yeah. I, th- she doesn't get, she doesn't get a lot of scenes where she's doing her job. You just kind no. of like after the fact, which yeah, I'm, then- I'm assuming, I bet you that shit was cut out. I think so, too. And then her character just kind of fades away, like, two-thirds of the way through the movie, too. Yeah, she's just gone. Yeah. So I never quite know what what sort of happens. But um, now we're back at the jail, and I love how, you know, they're there in the the limo. She's waiting, and then the the security guard guy, the guy that we love that we always run into in Santa Monica. I love how he's just drinking a champagne right there. Yeah. Um, But I also thought it was funny how – excited he got when the gang came back out and i was like you haven't been with them long enough but he clear like you know what i mean like but he acted like they were old friends yeah 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 it's just his energy <laughs> so yeah, maybe they had some you know what maybe they had some good nights together right since since he joined the team maybe yeah. they they're like hey we'll show you some good times and now he's like these guys are fucking awesome it's like this is who i want to party with <laughs> exactly uh and then caruso and and basically the 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 cop squad they come peeling in. They come like tearing in. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, basically like they do like a parking job. That's like they kind of cut off the the limo and, you know, the whole gang is like there. And fucking Caruso just just straight up just get out to the car and just doesn't say anything. Just spits in, uh, in Jimmy Jump's face. And yeah. uh, man, like right in Larry Fishburne's face, like yep. actual David Caruso spit right there. Yeah, this is pre-COVID, so I uh, can't do that shit anymore. 
<laughs> Seriously, man. Like, like that, I mean, I, I can only imagine that uh, clearly Larry and Caruso were like, had to have you know we had to be on the same page about this one uh but i thought i love how fucking uh jimmy jump like wipes it off and then uh, with his finger and then like like puts it in his mouth totally yep. fucking with him you know which yeah. is, it's great it's a great character moment and and, and is in blood uh who who shows fucking ba's him well so 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 he he basically uh, Jimmy John Jimmy John Jimmy Jump uh, throws some money <laughs> Jimmy John see yeah Larry Fishburne's Not character hungry, goes dude. off to, to create Jimmy John's uh, pizza uh, uh, subs um, but uh, he throws some money at Adam I think it was at the uh, was that at him was that David Caruso or was that at Wesley Snipes Wesley, was, Wesley Snipes I think yeah because Wesley Snipes is just straight up staring him down yeah and uh, he, he throws some money at him says like I think buy some flowers or something like that yeah yeah and then walks away but then I love how blood picks up like a, a, like not all of the money just some of the money he's like yeah. buy some cheap ones and then fucking moons uh, uh, Wesley Snipes I was like fuck yeah blood he moons him <laughs> it was awesome dude <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. That was fucking awesome, man. It yep. was like, and I loved how he picked up the money. He was like, buy, buy some cheap ones, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, oh, I fucking, dude, I love blood, man. I thought he was fucking awesome. It's great. <laughs> uh, um, and so now we get a kind of a quick scene in uh, a little establishing shot in Chinatown um, where, like, Larry's gang of people are all sort of hanging out conveniently, like, in the streets. Very, it's, it's a cool scene. This like so basically, um, Frank and his people roll in with like their cars and everything, sort of from both ends, kind of cut them off uh, of the alley, and then just gut gut everybody down. And it's you know it's actiony, but this is probably my least favorite scene in the entire movie. I just didn't think it was filmed well. Like there's one girl that gets shot and does like the worst like death I've ever seen, you yeah. know, and it just. It was so – this one was a little too over the top for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Did, yeah. Did it, did, it, did it tonally not fit for you? Yeah. It just felt like like it, it was just like an afterthought. Like, oh, we, they, we, we shot this after the fact. We'll put it back in. We'll put it in, you know. Yeah, like like we needed something to establish the the takeover, and it's like so clearly filmed in like you know it looks like a set almost, like it's almost not like it's filmed in New York. Yeah, I mean it says it was filmed in Chinatown. Okay, uh, according to the uh, you know the IMD buckle, uh, but but I mean it it looks like a set to me too. Um, I, I don't know this. Yeah. This scene was probably, yeah, it looked a little bit like the big trouble in little China, uh, set. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and maybe it was the set, but then also like to the action compared to later, it's a lot more comic booky. This, this action in this one scene, it isn't as like more realistic as sort of the later shootout is. And, you know, this is when I, I was already kind of getting the vibe that this, this movie almost had sort of a comic book feel to it, to be truthful with you. Yeah. Um, uh, but this, overstepped its mark in this one particular scene in my opinion well you know it, it it's based on nosferatu so uh... <laughs> that imd entry can go fuck itself <laughs> ba, ba, ba. <laughs> but larry uh he kind of tries to make his escape um and uh gets captured by 
Jimmy Jimmy Jump and Frank, and then we kind of cut to in like the basement of one of probably a restaurant or something. Uh, the gang, our gang, is unloading a bunch of or, or taking out a bunch of uh, canisters of dope, and then the camera kind of pans up, and really this is this I like. So uh, you see uh, uh, Larry hanging from the ceiling. Um, you know, there's no blood on him or anything, but you know he's he's clearly dead. But yeah, it was a cool shot, and this you know. Unlike the shootout two seconds prior, this I liked. I liked how you didn't know he was above the camera until the camera zoomed up. I did feel very bad for the actor to hang upside down like that during the entire shot because it's one of those like sort of one shot take things, you know. Yeah. Um, but that was good. I liked that part. And uh, and again, you know, F- Frank is his his uh, his operation is growing at this point. It it just keeps growing. Bop bop bop. bop, bop. bop. uh we cut to um a a guy singing at a fundraiser i love this song i do too dude so good he's kind of he's a smidge goofy when he's singing it but the song is actually really fucking good and he's doing a good job singing it i get the i get the feeling that he's supposed to be like a celebrity yeah like kind of made good in the community yeah. Well, and, well, he he is in the movie, but I also got the feeling that maybe in reality at the time he might have actually been like a singer or something, you know, like a, uh, a maybe a lesser known R&B guy. I, I almost felt like it was maybe a cameo. Um, and I say that because I do believe that the columnist early on, that Pete guy, I think that's actually who he really is. Oh, OK. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so I was, I, but I could be wrong on both of those accounts. Um, but that is, kind of what the sense I got from this. I was gonna say too, this is a very interesting moment because from this point on, I don't know if you really picked up on this, but the music kind of changes. There's a lot more actual. Well, actually, no, no, sorry. It, it goes back to when Jimmy Jump was going to the, the, you know, the fast food place. Okay. Uh, the music, from I think from that point on. The, there, there's like a, uh, there's more soundtracky kind of music, okay. and it's not up until that point when it that it actually kicks in. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, oh, I. Uh, by the way, um, the Blu-ray that that we watched transfers fine. Uh, it actually has like a a, a good like hour long documentary on Abel Ferreira's uh, career, I guess. Um, and it also has a feature length commentary by the director, which and, apparently uh, he got paid five thousand dollars to do. So. Oh, I, I don't know why. I always just assumed that they did it uh, uh, just for the fun of it or for the love of their fucking movie. Uh, I always assumed that, that directors did commentary f- for free. Well, again, this is one of those things that Abel Ferrara claims he was paid $5,000 okay. to do the commentary. So who knows? Well, I mean, honestly, uh, for $10 a pop, not a bad fucking purchase, to be truthful with you. I'd say the only thing it kind of lacks is a a good-looking cover. It just has kind of a generic uh, front cover. But but as far as Blu-rays go, it's not one of the worst. No, dude, it, it's great. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you like if you like the movie, then I highly recommend picking it up. Yeah. Although I I think we're we're probably both hopeful that one day it gets like a nice, really nice special edition and maybe a director's cut. Come on, Arrow Films, where are you? You're right. Come on, Arrow. Arrow's the new uh, Shout Factory. Um, yeah. And so and here's what I had a hard time tracking. So this is a fundraiser, um, and it's not that. The, the hospital is funded, so I guess he didn't um, give them the full money, or maybe he did, but basically 
I guess the hospital now has funding and they're going to turn it into a long-term project of upgrading it to a, 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 a you know, a bigger hospital and, yeah. and something that, that, that the community needs. And that's what you get the sense that, you know, and Christopher Walken's there and, you know, and in, in Tanner, the, um, the uh, city council member is there. And, uh, but you don't, ever sort of get you don't know how much frank actually gave them you don't know did that even happen yet like or is this like instead of are they doing a fundraiser instead of well i got the i got the vibe that uh the the councilman was like you need to come up with 16 million dollars or this or we're tearing this thing down so uh, i get the i get i mean it's not they don't they're not explicit about it but i i'm assuming that he put up the 16 mil and but so, and that keeps it from getting torn down. But that's sixteen million is not enough to kind of upgrade it. So yeah. now that they uh, technically saved it, they're having the fundraiser to uh, basically turn it into something bigger. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And again, it's I actually like the fact that they don't tell you all of this. You know, even though I'm questioning it right now, I I actually like it. It you get it's one of those movies where you're getting more of a sense of like, you're looking into these characters lives scene by scene. And if you don't see the scene that they tell you that piece of information, you just have to go without it. Yeah. It's not taking away from the movie. No, no, no. And you know, you get the sense that, you know, he's on his mission. He right now, things are still going well for him basically. Yeah. 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 And well, I was going to say the reporter at the end uh, of this scene is fucking annoying as hell. And I'm just like, Jesus, dude, bro. So, all right. So at the end of this scene, it starts. (laughs) And I, so I like how it transitions because it starts with uh, this, this reporter girl and she's uh, talking to the camera, but right away, you know, it's the camera is the news camera. And then it's going to cut to the same shot, but then on TV, why the fuck is she reading a cue card? I don't know, man. Like it, it's a weird. It's weird. It's it's kind of a. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me. It's a really shitty scene. Like she, she she's it's so obvious she's reading cue cards. Okay, the one possibility where I'm giving it credit because she's like glazing Frank's donut. It's a very happy like. Oh my gosh, look how amazing this is. My guess. My, my like my uh what do you call it my carrot i'm gonna feed the scene to give it credit is that she was forced to read this script to make it seem like you know frank is such a good guy kind of thing okay but I, that, uh, that's a that's a major <laughs> carrot to feed <laughs> i was gonna say i'm i'm not biting that carrot yeah no uh, I, I i i can't man i don't know it was it was bad she's just like reading a cue card yeah it's and really i'm bad. like is is that and i don't even think that's what like reporters do they I've don't never do that seen a reporter do that no they never do that dude yeah they that do that bad. in the in the studio. They're reading the teleprompter, yeah. but and it's and it's and it doesn't look like they are because the teleprompter is in front of the lens, yeah, so you don't really actually weird. you know see it. It's so obvious. Here. Yeah, God, it's it's really, really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> now we can go bop bop bop. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Good. Not even a good bop, bop, bop. Yeah, that was like just... bop, bop, bop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it was a good transition to the now at the Brooklyn Bar, that the the same one that they had the wedding at earlier. Um, basically, uh, you know, Caruso, uh, you know, Gilly and uh, Flanagan, Snipe's character, um, Bishop are there, uh, Argo's character. Um, <clears throat> the The... Bride's father seems to be a cop too, but they never yeah. kind of right talk to him. But he's an older guy, and he seems like he knows Bishop. Like he's more of like the older guard. Him and Bishop are kind of the older guard, and then Caruso and yeah. Wesley Snipes and all them are sort of the the young uh, up and coming guys. Um, but you know, Caruso just getting pissed because you know basically the whole thing. Like we follow the rules, we do what we're supposed to do, and you know. Um, Jimmy jumps back out on the streets. You know, Frank's killing people. Every time he kills a person, it's our fault. That whole thing, you know. And he basically just comes out and says it. He's like, look, we're going to take care of him. And I just – he's like, I'm kind of like telling you sort of thing so you know yeah. to, to Bishop. But Bishop's like, man, you do anything, I'm going to have to come after you, you know. Um, but, yeah, and, and basically Caruso says we can make it look like it's a rival gang. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of where they sort of they kind of like pick pack up and roll out. And you're like, oh, shit, you know, there's shit's going to go down, I guess. Um, but, yeah, it's it's I like that. That was a cool little scene. And, I, you know, I, I, I felt, you know, Caruso's anger. You know, I felt his character's anger towards yeah, everything. Sure. Frustration, his frustration, you know. But, of course, you know, he, he's going to he's going to take Wesley Snipes with him. He's going to take uh, Kip. Uh, our tip, um, the 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 young kid, the just the, the tip, yeah, yeah, just the tip, the the rookie kid, the the one that just got married, um, and then another sort of generic guy, I guess, another generic cop that you sort of see with them, but he's uh, he's the one that gets in the car, gets sort of flipped over in the car, yeah. Um, so back at the Plaza Hotel, uh, Frank and the gang are sort of celebrating, and then Frank and Jennifer have this moment um, where they go outside and kind of look out over New York. And I, I like this. Frank is like, you know, he's 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 waxing nostalgic. He's like, you know, they they took, you know, so I lost so much time in jail, and now you you kind of get the sense that he was away for a bit of time, and he's like. Yeah time that I'll never get back. He's like, I basically, I want to do great things with my life, you know? And I like the fact he's just like, I just need one year. I I just need one year and I can do something special. And this is where I realized where I connected with Frank and it's right here. And I, I just, I really connect with his character and, and it's, it it couldn't have been written by somebody who's young. You know, I don't know how old Abel Ferreira was then, but like that, that idea that like, you know, you're losing time. That's such a, like an, a more mature sensibility that Frank has that yeah, like time is fleeting. He, yeah. And he's not looking at it. Like I want to, I love how he's not like, I want all the power, like, you know, Scarface. He's not looking at it yeah. like that. He's like, I want to leave something behind. I want to do something great. And it's not necessarily a bad, great thing. He actually wants to do something good. And I, I just, I love it, man. This is, I think this is the scene that I just fall in love with, with Frank White. I'm Robin. And I'm a hood, Robin Hood. <laughs> and this is also the last time we see Jennifer. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's she and she doesn't. It weirdly, like she doesn't even say anything. She kind of just like looks at him, doesn't like sort of yeah. give him any like reassurances. She's just like, okay. Well, and she's is, like, now my character's gone. I guess. <laughs> well, it's it's almost like you know, Abel's like, okay, the real climax is going to happen now. 
Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Now, now the now the the fun, the all oh, kinds of fun shits about to happen. Yep. Hey, everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Why this film podcast looks back at the movies of your childhood. Join me, Emily Slade, each week as I step back in time to revisit the films that you grew up with. Maybe you haven't seen it for a while. Maybe you've watched it every day since you were eight. Maybe you totally forgot it existed. Whatever the movie, I'm here to go back with you through nostalgia untold and memories unnumbered. Together, we'll ask, why this film? La la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode, this is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like any. iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. This Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your proton pack and your ecto cooler and maybe some McNugget bars. What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time. That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers. So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are cool. And now, back to the show. All right, so uh, we got a quick little scene of... Uh, Roy Bishop kind of interrupting a, like, a posh brunch. Uh, it's, it's Frank's lawyer is having, like, a brunch with somebody. And, uh, Roy rolls in with pictures of, you know, all the people that Frank's killed so far, you know, crime scene photos. Kind of tosses it down, you know, on the, on the lawyer guy. And is like, you know what you're, you know, what Frank's doing. You need to rein him in, basically. And I like how the lawyer's like, I don't fucking know what he's doing. You you come here, you know, you know, come with the, I like how he stood his ground. I actually yeah. kind of like that. I was like, I, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. But, um, it, you know, it's kind of showing that, that Roy Bishop is, is still like sort of on the track of things. 
But uh, but yeah, it was a it was a, a quick little scene, and then um, now we're getting this, we're about to get into some crazy shit. So and I and I'm gonna need some help. Uh, I have some questions, but I'll, I'll let you know what they are when we when we get to them, because okay. um, there was something I, I wasn't quite sure about. Um, I will do my best. I'm sure you will. <laughs> bop, bop, bop. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> um, so now we have a, a limo pulls up in front of this abandoned building-looking thing, but it's not really abandoned. It's like it's like a club that they're yeah. using, but it's it's kind of in a area that no one's at. Um, and like an it's industrial like a meatpacking district, you know? Yeah, like a yeah yeah like a meatpacking district at night, so no one's there, and yeah. and so they can kind of just have free reign. But they're in a club, and um, uh, a limo pulls up in front. And um, uh, and Joey D and two guys get out. Uh, Joey says to the front, you know, guy at the door. He says they're there to see Frank. Uh, we go inside the club, and the entire gang are just—they're just partying. There's boobs everywhere. There's <laughs> drugs everywhere. Blood is uh, kissing and making out, and, and finger banging this one chick. And uh, girls are dancing on bars, and everyone's having a good time. Even our our mugger kid is is having a grand old time uh, dancing and everything. It's it's a it's a good time. I I I hope it doesn't end abruptly. <laughs> well <laughs> well um so joey d introduces frank to axel carter from la um so is all right i'll get to it in a second so frank wants to sell he says the drugs are like 12 mil right so now frank is looking to move the drugs and he says the drugs uh the whole thing of the coke will be 12 mil the the axel uh carter says that um he only has six he'll give six afterwards and frank's like no it's all or nothing uh, yeah. actually joey d says that yeah um it's it's all or nothing uh, i recognize the guy who played axel did you i did and- too uh I, I i couldn't track where he was from but again another recognizable face very hard face like yeah yeah, and, and, and the funny thing is, you go on IMDb, uh, and he's not on there. At least he's not when you when you look at the front scroll part, uh, you know, and not click on the you know see more cast or whatever. But on the yeah. front scroll part, which is usually most of the cast, uh, he wasn't on there. So I was actually and, and his uh, partner Carlos actually looked a little familiar too. And I was like, huh, I wonder who those uh, where I've seen him before. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So like so so Axel says, okay, I'll I'll leave Carlos behind to check out the rest of the of the shit. Um and I'll be back. And he's like, Okay. So uh Joey D and Axel Carver Carter kinda go to leave. Uh the Bond bodyguard takes Carlos upstairs to kind of check the shit out. Uh we cut to outside and Joey D is like sort of lighting up a cigarette in front of the front door uh, with the the doorman kind of standing there. Yeah. And Axel Carter comes up behind him and shoots the doorman, not not Joey D, shoots the the doorman with a silenced uh pistol. And so all right, so is Axel like is he a cop? It, you know what I mean? Like, so the cops are going to break in. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. We'll, we'll track the whole thing. But like, here's what I didn't understand. And we know later that you know uh, Joey D uh, was approached by the cops to set this deal up. So is Axel Carter a cop too, or yeah. or is 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 Caruso working with also some some you know hitters type of thing? I think they're all cops. 
I think okay, so you cops. think like Axel was a cop too? Yeah, yeah. And but just straight. Yeah, and, and they're all on the same page of like we're not here to arrest, we're here to kill. Yeah, but my only question about that is when Joey G's like, "Oh, they paid me so much money to do it," and you're like, "The cops paid you that much money? Where did they know, get that money from?" And then because again, we'll get to that uh, when we get to it. But yeah, Joey D also says, and they offered me protection like I was getting out. So, yeah, I this is the one thing that I have a problem with. Also, too, at the end, there's only two um, uh, caskets, but I track, I think, at least three cops getting killed and I'll track them when we start getting into it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is. This is the part of the movie that I is probably my favorite part of the movie that I love, but is also a little bit confusing for me and, and a little bit foggy because I feel like some things kind of don't add up. And and again, I'll call out the cops that, that I think are getting killed, and then we can find out how many uh, uh, caskets there are at the end, yeah. basically. Um, so, yeah. So back inside now, now that Axel you know shoots that guy. So now the, as an audience, we know shit's kind of about to go down. And upstairs, the blonde is kind of like hooking up with Carlos in the bed. Uh, but you can kind of tell it's on purpose because she's kind of like taking off his shirt, but then she takes his gun out and kind of takes it away from him. Yep. So even though it doesn't really help her later, but you kind of get a sense that it's it's all on purpose of yeah. what she's doing. And uh, and then uh, Frank and his uh, African-American guard kind of watch them and then sort of walk away. And then as Frank and his and his other guard lady are about to go downstairs, somebody comes running up the stairs in a mask and a gun. And this is so fucking awesome. His bodyguard girl jumps in front and gets fucking gunned down. Yeah. Uh, she takes she takes the hit. She takes for, the shit. She doesn't even like he, he I mean, it's not even like like Frank like hides behind her. She literally jumps in, yeah. in front of it. I was like, wow, that is dedication right there. Uh, but then Frank shoots the guy in the head. And the first time I watched it, I, I was like, oh, are these the cops? I can't remember. But then you see when the guy dies, he has a vest on. He has a bulletproof vest on under yeah. his shirt. But Frank shot him in the head. So I'm counting that as cop number one. And that okay. guy's dead because that's a, dead. that was a headshot. Dead. Downstairs, they bust in. The cops bust in. <laughs> David Caruso's wearing like a, a hat with a bandana over his <laughs> mouth and everything. Yeah. And he actually takes a couple of hits himself. Uh, David Caruso's character does. But they just, I mean, right away, like, first person they blow away is, like, this chick who's right on, like, the, the bar and just gets, like, blasted back with a shotgun and, like, slides. I was like, that was pretty fucking brutal. And yeah. then just, like, they just start gunning down gang members. And I'm like, no, that guy. No, that guy. <laughs> you know, you, and because at this point, you do. You like these guys. You yeah, know? they're all they are, wasted, too. And they get wasted. They, I mean, they are just getting wasted. But. Jimmy Jump, he jumps into action. Jimmy Jump, Jimmy Jump. Whoop, de um, whoop. Whoop, whoop. But we do see, uh, we do see blood. Uh, David Crusoe does get blood. He gets him with his Uzi, and I mean, he's doing the whole and blood's like, you know, like that. Yeah, it's a pretty comical death, actually. <laughs> it was actually very bad. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, but the funny thing is, I mean, at the time, man, this was. This was hardcore ultra violence, you know, but honestly, watching it now, sadly, it feels very, very tame. Oh, you should. You put this up uh, up against any Daredevil episode. It's nothing. Right? Like like straight up like a Netflix Daredevil show. And, Daredevil or Punisher, probably or, is or, or more, Punisher. Punisher. Or Punisher is even yeah. more brutal. Yeah. You know? The most but, violent television 
Yeah. But at the time, man, at the time, this shit was fucking like, like for, for young Corey, this was like cool. And, and again, I, I do think that the comic booky aspect of this movie yeah. is what sort of drew me in. It, it's, it, it's billed as like realistic ultra violence, but I almost, I think it goes to the point where it's, it's kind of parody. I think Abel Farrar is kind of doing a little bit of parody. Here. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I hope. I hope he is. I hope. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> well, according to IMDb, no, fuck that shit. Um, <laughs> and then, so, like, as they're having a shootout downstairs, Carlos, upstairs, shoots the blonde guard, uh, and then uh, uh, Frank kind of shoots Carlos back. Um, is, if possible, Carlos might be a guard, not sure. Um, downstairs, Jimmy Jump and Frank basically escape in a limo with a bunch of shootouts and everything. And yep. I do, I did see another cop, character get killed in there as well but also david caruso took some hits but he stood back up so if carlos is not a cop but i think do you think carlos is a cop yeah i i think okay. he is i think they just i just think at the funeral they didn't track all the bodies i guess they would have separate bodies for for them maybe or separate funerals for them but then why would they have two of them at i guess it doesn't matter uh, it's a, it's a fun action scene. I, I don't need to get hung up on, on, you know, inconsistencies at the funeral, but I'm, I'm with you and I never thought about it until, until this review right now, but I'm with you. I think they're all cops. Uh, yeah, I there. think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Larry, <laughs> Jimmy jump runs out the front, kind of shoot, kind of shoots his way out with, with everyone in pursuit and Frank pulls up. Uh, in the limo so Jimmy Jump gets into the limo but as they're kind of peeling away with everyone sort of in hot pursuit the rookie kid kind of jumps on and is sort of hanging on the door but it's like the door's open and you know J- Jimmy Jump's like you know get get the fuck off you know like no free rides or whatever but then Jimmy Jump takes the kid's mask off and that's when he's like, oh, shit, this guy's a fucking cop. Like, they yeah. know that that they're being fucked with by cops now and that this is not, like, the ga- the normal game. This is, like, the, the cops are taking it to the next level. And yep. the fucking best death in the fucking the best, yeah, the best. movie. Uh, so, so picture this. The, the kid is hanging on the door, but Jimmy Jump is forcing him to hold on. So, like, Jimmy Jump is keeping him on the door so the kid can't let go. And then Christopher Walken maneuvers the car so that the kid fucking hits right into a fire hydrant. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not bloody, but it's definitely gruesome because you hear the thud, the meaty thud, and then the dangly body. Very good stunt, I'd say. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's it's so, it's so impactful, literally. The, yeah, it's 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 so impactful. Uh, uh, just like you said, it's so fucking impactful. But then David Crusoe, like his response, like was so guttural. It was so like no, you know, because that was the that was he was the best man. He, you know, he's he's taking care of this kid, and maybe yeah. it's his younger brother. Like you said, I'm not sure, but it was David Crusoe's reaction is also what punched home uh, that. Yeah, oh, well. it's, yeah, it, this scene works on so many levels. It's great. So fucking good, man. The, I mean, this whole climax is what made me sort of fall in love with this movie as a oh, kid, hell yeah. you know? Hell yeah. Um, and so, there's no bop, bop, bop yet because we're not even over yet. No, 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 no. We're not going to get a bop, bop, bop until the end, probably. <laughs> um, so now we just kind of like a, a, a really good but kind of long chase uh, across a bridge. It's it's raining. Um, the 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 
Jimmy Jump is shooting back at uh, two cop cars. Um, David Caruso and Wesley Snipes is in one. And that other generic cop guy that you never really get to know, yeah. he's in the other one. Uh, just have like, it's just, it's like a four minute shootout, you know, uh, driving through the streets and everything. And eventually, you know, they get in a little bit of an accident type of thing. And uh, uh, David Caruso and Wesley Snipes is their car kind of stalls out. Um, Frank White and Jimmy Jump are kind of getting away and they force that other cop to hit another car and kind of flip over. Yeah. Do you think that cop died or do you think he survived? I mean, I'm going to say he died. I'm going to yeah, say he okay. died. Yeah, might as well. Every, everyone except for David Caruso essentially This is a dies. big debacle. Yeah, it's it's... It is the definition of debacle. Yeah. Literally everything that could possibly go wrong is going wrong. Yeah. Um, now, now Frank kind of gets a, a little bit of a distance away from uh, Caruso and Wesley Snipes, but they're still driving around looking for them. And they kind of pull over Wesley Snipes and them kind of pull, stop their car. And they're, they're looking at down a street and then all of a sudden fucking uh, uh, Jimmy jump is in the limo and he just backs it right into them. I mean, real hard fucking knocks the shit out of them, knocks the car over like all kinds of shit. And then Jimmy jump gets out, kind of pops some shots back at him and then runs away, getting them to sort of chase after him. I think to, you don't see Frank get away, but it's to get, you know, allow Frank a, a chance to sort of uh, get away. Yeah. And, and um, Wesley Snipes uh, takes it onto himself to, to chase down um, Jimmy Jump, and uh, this this scene is great. It's like a one camera shot yeah. of of Jimmy Jump running into this like you know abandoned you know quarry construction area underneath of a bridge um and then wesley snipes follows him in there and you know he's just like calling out at him and and he's like come on let's do it like a man you know i'm right here you know this and that but you don't hear you know you don't hear jimmy jump anywhere and wesley snipes is like doing this he's looking around but he's you know yelling and stuff and he's like jimmy jump jumps down from the other side of a of a um a truck like what the, the back of a truck thing you know and I, this is crazy. Like trailer, a trailer. There you go. Um, so Wesley Snipes is like looking one way, but then he quickly turns around and then pop, just gets popped right in the gut. Yep. And just Wesley Snipes is, did a good job of doing that reaction of uh, he like drops his gun too, like yeah. he just gets shot in the stomach, man. And 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 it's just it's brutal, man. It's it's really brutal because then Jimmy Jump just starts putting like starts plugging him essentially and then wesley snipes just starts strangling him while he's getting plugged further and further yeah part of me was like wait is he gonna are they both gonna die in this scene yeah they will but it's in a different way yeah in a, in a better way than than what you think it's gonna be yes. but still it's it's so brutal because like like you know i mean wesley snipes character uh flanagan he's like yeah. choking the fuck out of jimmy jump like trying to kill him knowing that he's pretty much dead but it's one of those things where you know J- jimmy jump keeps just putting like firing shots like into his into his chest but you know he's wearing a, a a vest so it's absorbing some of it so he's not like completely getting killed right away yeah. it's it's very visceral it's very it's brutal it's very brutal Oh yeah, it's it, it it's it it, it 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 the fact that it keeps going too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes right? on way like, longer than expected. Ex- yes, exactly. Which which adds to the brutality of it. But yeah. um, 
Uh, Jimmy Jump basically, yeah, puts enough lead into Flanagan that, you know, Wesley Snipes is now on the ground. Uh, and then Jimmy Jumps, you know, says something to him, kind of turns around, and Caruso's like, hey, motherfucker, whatever. And then pow, 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 like just, like Caruso just unloads into him from like 10 yards away. Yeah. And, uh, and, and shoots Jimmy Jump, but like doesn't kill him. And I, this is, again, th- this whole scene is, is fucking amazing. Yeah. Cause, j- j- so while, Flanagan, uh, Wesley Snipes' character's on the ground dying. Uh, Jimmy is on the ground dying as well, but he's like laughing maniacally, saying, I got you, and this and that. And uh, man, and then Caruso goes over to Wesley Snipes, and dude, he just like. He's like, stay with me. He's like, you're, you're okay. You're not. It's not that bad. You know, he's doing the (laughs) he's doing the Caruso line deliveries. You know, yeah. But then he fucking, dude, like, Wesley Snipes dies, man. And, like, I felt it. Like, I felt it in Caruso when, when that happened. I mean, I had, like, zero sympathy for these guys because I felt like they brought it upon themselves. But I understood his affection for his partner. Right. Where he's, like, doing mouth-to-mouth on him. And I'm like, no, dude, he's dead. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, 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 and I like that because he goes, he, he goes, he's something like, because, you know, you could tell, like, Flanagan was trying to breathe. And he's like, let, here, let me help you. You know, and he, he starts giving him mouth-to-mouth. I, I, I loved it, man. I loved the scene. And maybe yeah. it's because, uh, like you said, Caruso and Wesley Snipes were, were friends before this. You really I just, feel I, it. I'm just telling you, I could I could see the love in Caruso's eyes. And yeah. I thought that was powerful. Yeah, and it's and it bookended with the fact that I, I did write down, like, Lawrence Fishburne's death is awesome, you know, yeah. where he's like yeah. screaming out, "You're not bad" or something like that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and 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 it is. It's like the the juxtaposition between the two things going on at the same time, where one guy's screaming in pain but also maniacal, versus the other one where there's like this heartfelt moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, and 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 fucking Crusoe, like once once Flanagan dies. You know, Cruz is like, just looks over at Jimmy and even Jimmy, because I had the subtitles on. He's like, you know, Jimmy's even like, kill me, motherfucker. You know, yeah. like, just kill me. Not bad. And, yeah. And then Cruz just walks up, puts the gun. There's no pomp and circumstance. He puts the gun right to his forehead. Pow. Just like there's no like second. And yeah. I liked I liked that. I liked how there was no pause. There was no beat that yeah. you would normally sort of get. He just walks right up to him, puts it right. His head. Pow. Done. That's it. I was like, wow, that was that was fucking awesome. Um, that whole just scene was, damn, that was good, dude. Good it really shit. was good shit. Good climax. Good like actiony. Oh yeah, climax. Like 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 action. Like this is that's what I think I liked about this too. It's like that was like an action movie level of climax that you kind of don't. And I always like ex- the explosive action that is in, um, you know, uh. uh Gangster movies, I've always because they always use really good blood packets. It's always explosive violence, but it never is as drawn out as as this was. No, no, this is good though. I loved it. Me too. Me too. It, it skirts a uh, action movie line for sure. Um, and then I think this is fucking awesome too. So we're at the funeral. And, uh, again, so this is the, what I was talking about. There's only two caskets. That's why I was a little confused. I was kind of making up in my head that I was like, maybe like that cop in the car didn't die, you know, maybe like another cop didn't die. And maybe it's just, you know, Kip and, uh, and Wesley Snipes. But then it would also be, um, that one cop that got shot in the head in the stairs. 
Yeah. For sure. You know, like like that guy was definitely a cop. So it doesn't matter. It fucking doesn't matter. Um, but it's it's you know, you see Wesley Snipes' wife is there and her kids and and Caruso is just so just distraught. And then, you know, Roy Bishop's just, you know, shooting daggers at Caruso because he knows what happened. And fucking Caruso just can't handle it anymore. So he just, you know, while the funeral's still going on, he just runs down to his car and uh he, he tries to like start his car and he's like, motherfucker, because it won't start he's all pounding on it and he doesn't see that there's this fucking limousine sort of just casually driving up and this is my favorite fucking thing in the entire fucking movie but Caruso's in his car he's he's just pissed he's just pissed about his life he's pissed about the fact that he's probably gonna go to jail his his best friends are dead and fucking Frank White pulls up next to him rolls down his window pulls out a fucking shotgun and says hey you and Crusoe just looks over and then blam just gets blasted out of the frame <laughs> I loved that dude yeah yeah I loved it too I loved it too Fuck. apparently uh Wesley Snipes kid was Abel Ferrara's kid uh like a little cameo but um according to IMDb but no but dude that scene is so great it's like I loved it I thought that that's this is what you want. This is what you get. Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. <laughs> Not how how the song is intended, but it's it, it's the truest form. I mean, fucking Crusoe got what what was coming to him essentially. Yeah, and to put a button on that scene, bop bop bop. <laughs> nice. Or more like bop uh, bop. <laughs> Uh, um, so now we just kind of, uh, basically we're, we're in the denouement. We're in a, we're in a kind of a long denouement and we're just going to sort of wrap up all these threads. Um, we're now sort of, we cut to like an abandoned, uh, you know, house abandoned building you know in in the bronx area and joey d is just getting fucked up he's getting beat up by by you know the guys and everything and uh you know frank walks in there and you know joey's like saying i you know i didn't know them and this and that but frank's like come on just tell me the fucking truth man just just tell me the truth just tell me why and joey's like they offered me more money than than i'd seen in my entire life and he's like they were gonna put me in in protection and i I was out man and i bought that motivation because we saw in the first time we even met him that he was apprehensive about wanting to to go set up these meetings and everything and i you know i almost get the sense that joey d was probably doing pretty well for himself uh, running things while while Frank was in jail, you know? Yeah. And it, it probably wasn't very dangerous for him. Yeah, he wasn't actually all that he didn't seem all that happy to see Frank back. So this this explains why. Yeah, yeah. And and knowing like where his character goes, I think that I think he always like I think that was all very good what yeah. they did with his character, you know, and they they did sort of telegraph it and everything coming. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, and they said, you know, and and one of the guys says, you know, uh, he had the money on him, you know, and then Frank just was like, bury him with it, and then you know, Joey D's like, no, Frank, no, you know, yeah. and as Frank's walking away, you hear a gunshot go off, and I was like, okay, well, yeah. there goes, uh, there goes Joey D, uh, and then uh, cut to uh, <laughs> cut to uh, Roy Bishop coming home and uh into his apartment and he finds frank waiting for him there with a gun and uh frank does a little villain monologuing right here and uh basically he's he tells roy he's like look like 
what am I doing that's so wrong? You know, Larry, uh, uh, you know, Larry, he was, he, you know, he owned buildings in Chinatown and he was forcing his own people to like live in like these slums essentially, yeah. you know? And he just kind of rattles off like, you know, and then Tito was like, like hooking, you know, 13 year old girls. And, and I like how Frank was like, and they're all dead because I don't want to make money that way. And I was like, dude, that's so fucking badass. Like, I, I still do. And I feel like we, we live in this, like, gray world now. But I kind of do like the old, the romantic idea that these that the criminal has, like, a, has a morality to him. I like yeah. – I, I guess I should I, – I like a villain or I like a criminal in a movie that has some kind of moral compass, even if it's warped and distorted. But I like that they have their own rules, and Frank is definitely that person. Agreed. Agreed. You know, but you kind of – I feel like this scene was to sort of like at the very end be like, here, here's what he stands for so that when it's all over, you can kind of feel good about him. Um, But, you know, whatever, it's fine. But ultimately what I do like, what I do like is he's like, you know, what did I really do? And now, and now you, you basically put like, you make me public enemy number one. I have this like sort of a bounty on my head or whatever. He's like, so you know what? I'm going to put a half a mil uh, bounty on anyone's head who works this case. I want you to know what it feels like to look over your shoulders every minute of the day. I want you to know what it feels like to live in fear. I, I liked all this motivation, you know? And I also, by the way, I love the fact that like Argo, uh, Roy Bishop, um, he doesn't say anything, like maybe one or two lines this entire thing. He's just sitting there quietly letting, like, Frank, while Frank's talking, you know? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I do too. It's very, very subtle, understated. And because Frank's probably like, you're going to kill me. You're going to kill me, right? When are you going to do it? Or, or Victor's like uh, that. Or, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Or Bishop. Uh, yeah, Victor Argo, uh, uh, Bishop's. Yeah, you know, Bishop's waiting, like probably going to die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Frank, he's like, he's not going to kill him. He, he says, uh, you know, cuff your, cuff yourself to the chair and give yep. him, give me your gun, cuff yourself to the chair. Um, and you know, he goes to leave. He does a fun little like pop. He does a fun little, he goes pop pop, but he goes bang, bang, bang actually <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> would have been better if he did bop, bop, that would be. but, uh, bop, bop. I do. I do like the fact that, like, as soon as the door clicks shut, uh, Bishop just immediately gets up, walks over to his desk, like, yeah. opens his desk, and just doesn't even hesitate, just pulls out a gun and shoots the the um, the, the handcuff that's, oh, yeah, that's great. there. Yeah. He has to. Yeah. And then and then you, he goes outside. He kind of goes after him. You get sort of some establishing shots of, of, a, of a subway. And then um, uh, you don't know where... Frank is, but Bishop is now making his way through the subway, down into the subway. Uh, he's got his gun out, and he starts making his way through the subway. You know, people are seeing him. He's kind of make, moving through each train, each train, and then finally comes across, you know, Frank uh, in in the last car, you know, whatever. It comes across him and uh, basically says, you know, hey, you know, Frank, you know, stop, you know, type of thing. And, and Frank's like, I like how Frank's like, you know, you shouldn't be riding the subway with a with a uh, a hit on your head, basically. You yeah. know, <laughs> I was like, I like that. That's was, that was cool. Um, but I and then Frank immediately sort of gets up and uh, grabs uh, this lady as a hostage. And I like how he's telling like Argo or, or Bishop. He's like, you know, you basically don't have the the guts to do what I can do. And he's like, this lady here. He's like, he's like, I'm not going to hurt you, hurt you, but I will if I have to. You believe me, right? And she's like, yes. I I I never. I never got the sense that she was in peril. You know, I, again, it was the, the more, I felt like there was a moral compass for, for Frank White. Well, apparently, uh, she, this, that actor never acted before. And, and be, prior to this, prior to filming the scene, Walken said, 
to her, I'm going to do something awful to you. I'm going to do something awful to you, but I will not hurt you. <laughs> I love that. Can you imagine? Look, I know, I'm going to do something you... awful to you, but I'm, I'm not going to hurt you. You'll be fine. <laughs> Can you imagine Christopher Walken saying that to you? Yeah, and then the actress probably like, uh... Can I get out of this movie now, please? <laughs> yeah, can, can I leave now? I don't yeah. want to be here anymore. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I liked it. I liked the exchange. Um, you know, Bishop's you know telling him like this is between you and me. Yeah. And uh, but then yeah, Frank just immediately just pulls out and pow 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 and just drops like puts like three slugs right into uh, Bishop. And then you do see Bishop get one shot off, but you don't kind of right away know. You know what happened with that, but you do yeah. see him get a shot off. And dude, this scene of Bishop dying is, I think, one of the best death scenes I've ever seen film. Like the camera doesn't go over top of him; it kind of goes down to his level as he's like struggling to sort of get up and everything. Man, it was—I thought it was a fantastic death scene. Yeah, I agree. It's super effective. Super effective. You yeah. know, and then and you kind of have sympathy. This is like the one cop that I had sympathy for because I'm like, yeah. this guy is, you know, he's a good cop. Bop, bop. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> uh, ditto. Uh, so uh, now we kind of just get um, Frank is uh, walking uh, up the stairs from, I guess, the next stop or something. You know, he's in looks like Manhattan. Times Square, around there. Again, I don't know. I'm, my geography's not great, but it seems more of like Manhattan type of stuff. Uh, you know, you hear uh, um, uh, ambulances going by, cops are, are around and stuff. Uh, you can get the sense that maybe Frank is hurt. Uh, you know, he's he's acting like it, but you don't really know yet. Um, he finds a cab. He kind of gets into that cab, and uh, he still kind of got his gun in his hand. And the guys, the cab driver's looking behind him to see, you know, yeah. kind of recognizes him or whatever. But then the cab driver finally sees the the gun um, and gets out and kind of starts running. And Frank just doesn't really do anything. And uh, cops start closing in uh, on Frank, and he just dies in the car. Yeah, because no. he realized he had been shot. Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. Because sorry, there was a then there's like a shot of um, his hand uh, moving away from his gut, and it's yep. you know it's bloody. So you know, and then uh, yeah, he dies without any sort of um, you know shootout or any grand sort of thing. And uh, that's it. That's that's once he dead, dies. That that's it. There's you know it's, he's the character. So starts with him and it ends with him. And yeah. uh, that's it. That's King of New York. Roll credits. Roll credits. Bop bop bop. Bop bop bop. What'd you think, buddy? It's phenomenal. <clears throat> it's really good. Uh, I feel like um, Chris Walken's a plus performance. No, uh, no, I loved it, dude. It was great. It's in everything about it. T to B. Uh, you know, it, the flaws were very forgivable and the and minimal and minimal and the overall execution was great. I, I it is definitely, in my opinion, Abel Ferrara's uh, best movie that he's made. And I loved it. I loved it. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, uh, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I I did too, man. This uh, this took me back. It really reminded me what I loved about this film, and but but like watching it, you know, not just through nostalgic eyes, but you know, really paying attention to it. I like what it had to say. Yeah. Um, I like the characters. I loved seeing like not caricature Christopher Walken. I, I just I think he's just amazing in this movie. I loved every second that he was on screen. Yeah, everybody brought their A game to the performances. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne's quite possibly, you know, very, very close in 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 the best performances out of the movie. Yeah, uh, as far as just like delivering a over the top, and yeah, it, it's it's great. It skirts a really fine line as to what, uh, like we said you know what is right and what is wrong and who are the bad guys and who are the good guys um and you know it's got a lot of action in it it's got a lot yeah it's it's not it's not a it's not just a straight-up drama it does have a lot of action in it and it's a slow build it's a very quiet film in the beginning and in in some respects uh but it's still a gritty dirty gangster movie and it's an art house gangster movie, you know, yeah. it's it, but Abel Ferrara has always been that he's an art house director, even with his, uh, his take on the body snatcher movies, it was very artsy and, 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 and very Abel Ferrara esque. Like he has yeah. this very signature style. This was, dare I say like a mainstream approach at doing an art house film. So I loved it and it definitely, uh, merits repeated viewings And I'm, I'm really like leaning back for a while. I was more of like a fan of digital media and just embracing like this idea of like not having a lot of, of, um, just physical stuff, but there's something to be said about owning physical media and and, like the importance of that, I think. Uh, and so for like, if it's a cheap, dvd blu-ray buy i highly recommend you pick it up it's worth yeah. it yeah yeah if, if you don't own it um and you think you remember loving the movie it, it, i think it does hold up the as well as you think it does yeah and the blu-ray is so cheap that there's no reason not to get it and I, i'm with you man if anything this podcast makes me you know own more blu-rays but i love it that's it that's my that's i'm getting back into collecting you know movies again and uh and one of the things that i love about uh having a collection is when people come over and and are like sort of looking through it and they're like oh fuck king of new york i remember this movie and you're like here borrow it like i love that you can just let people borrow shit and and you can spread the love around uh for these movies and yeah dude this this was so much fun i i really enjoyed it but i really enjoyed looking at it also through like a, a 42 year old eyes you know seeing yeah. it as an adult and and seeing all the things that i missed you know the first time like this movie isn't just a bunch of of action and tits and it has yeah. a lot of action it has a it lot has of tits. That. it has yeah. a, it has a lot of uh, ace in it as well um but uh but it's got so much more and i think frank white's you know i, I think his character is it des- he deserves more recognition as as like being up there as one of the great like sort of you know gangster character movie you know New York gangsters yep. and and I I think this movie deserves more recognition now than I think it gets I don't think I think it's kind of 
falling into obviously cult sort of status. But I, I do agree with you. I think it's got enough mainstream sensibility that I think it's 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 perfect for a comeback. I think, you know, I think you're gonna watch it and you're gonna be like, it holds up well. Oh, like for it sure. doesn't feel antiquated or quaint. You it's know thirty years old this movie. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, and it, it honestly, dude, it feels like it could have been filmed a couple years ago. To be if uh, if it wasn't for the fact that all the actors in it I recognize and they're super young, yeah. it still feels like it could be made a couple years ago. So. Well, even watch it for that. Watch it for the, yeah, you know, the youngness that all these former, you know, now people who appear on CSI. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, watch it for the the who's who's gallery of of big time '90s actors. You yes, know, basically. For sure. So, yes. yep, hi- highly recommend it. It's it's got very few fa- flaws. You, you heard the ones that I had any problem yeah. with and and, and mostly it's, it's around for me it was mostly around trying to track the action scene at the end and how many people actually got killed, but like you said, like it doesn't matter. Like maybe those were different funerals. It doesn't that's not the point of it. You know, it wasn't the point of it. And uh I don't think it has that many flaws to it to be honest with you. And I think it's a tight hour and 45 minutes. I think it's a fun tight movie. I agree. Good great 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 job, Sleazy. Thanks, man. I I was I wasn't really worried. I, I knew you would, were going to enjoy it, but I didn't know when I did pick it that you had as much, you know, previous love for it uh, uh, that I did. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm happy. I, I don't think I, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier, but I had King of New York, that poster on my wall. I had a bad lieutenant poster on my wall. I was because I was I was obsessed equally with Walken and Harvey Keitel at the time. And uh, and obviously you know, Reservoir Dogs coming out. So I had Reservoir Dogs posters on my wall, but I loved all that shit, you know? And then yeah. when Invasion of the, when the Body Snatchers came out, I was like, oh, we got to go see this. You know, it's not, it's not that, it's not as good as obviously as the 78 version. But, Is that uh, the one with Gabrielle Anwar? Yes. And Oh shit. That was Abel Ferrara? Yeah, that was Abel Ferrara. Yep. Oh, then, then that's the other movie, I guess, that I know. And oh. we talked about that movie on either a podcast or a wrapping up or something. I but I love up, that. Yeah. I, I actually had that poster of the Body Snatchers in my room because I had a big crush on uh, Gabrielle Anwar at the time. Oh, yeah. Meg Tilly's in that. Yeah. What you going to yep. do? Where are you going to go? You know, that whole thing. And, and Billy I, Worth is in that from uh, Lost Boys. So When was the last time you saw that movie? Um, It's been well over 10 years now, I think. Okay, I mean, I haven't seen a price since the '90s. Uh, does is it any good? Does it hold up? You know, I, I, it's not bad. It's just, it's just very like it's very slow pacing. Uh, Forrest okay. Whitaker's in it too, I think. Yeah, it's very slow pacing. Doesn't I remember being disappointed when I saw it when it came out? Uh, yeah, it's more just like there's so many at this point. I think there's like four or five Invasion of the Body Snatcher movies. Uh, cause another one came out after with Nicole Kidman and the oh, guy, yeah. Daniel Craig. Yeah. And I think that was, that was trying to be more like more, uh, faithful to the original. That was more of a, it was trying to be more of a faithful retelling, I think. Yeah. And I, that was okay too. They're like, they're okay. Nothing yeah. compares to the 78. Uh, oh yeah. Donald oh, Sutherland, God, yeah. you know, but that's, that's a perfect example of a remake being better than the original. So. Yep. I, I love that movie. I think we talked about it on a wrap up because I, I watched yes. it uh, a couple months ago. And man, that movie's fun, dude. I like that movie a lot. Hells yeah. Hells yeah. Hells yeah. So hey, you know what else I like a lot? What do you do? What do you like a lot? Two dollar late fee. Can you tell oh. me about that? Yeah. Nice segue. Bop, bop, bop. 
<laughs> yeah, that's my uh, that's my other that's my other podcast. Go search us out on Instagram, and uh, we are a retro nostalgic podcast. We take a movie and a song from that movie and the year, and kind of we don't break it down like we do on podcasting after dark. It's very different. Um, we just talk about what we liked about it, and and if it still holds up today. Um, and then we also do celebrity interviews. We interviewed Eric Roberts of all people, who's fucking phenomenal. Uh, Vince DiCola, the music composer behind Rocky four and transformers. And we have an upcoming interview with Joyce, Joyce Heiser, who is the star of the movie, just one of the guys. So, uh, you know, for all you podcasting after dark fans, I'm sure you're very familiar with her and her body <laughs> of work. Um, uh, but, uh, no, but she's, she's pretty fantastic person. So we're, we're going to be interviewing her soon and a lot of more, lots more to come. So check us out on, uh, Instagram, $2 late com, and, and, or just go to $2 late fee, uh, in the, in the Instagrams. That's the best way to find us too. How about you sleazy C where can we find you in the many platforms of your, of your body? <laughs> I thought you were gonna save your soul, but I'll take that. I'll take yes, the body. The body. Uh, uh, yeah, you can hear, listen to me every week. Uh, talk about Seinfeld with our pal Adam on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and you can hear me talk every week about comic books with our pal Tess on the ongoing comic book discussion podcast. So good, and it's yeah, so good. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and you know and uh, we're all a part of the uh, BFOP network, and you can find pretty much all the shows over at bfopnetwork.com. And uh, if you guys like what we're doing here with podcasting after dark, and you're not a patron, well, you're missing pretty much half of what we put out. Yep. Uh, we have a a monthly freeform discussion show called Wrap Up After Dark, which actually Zach and I are going to record a new one tomorrow night. And uh, <laughs> those are fun. It's it's a nice way to for me and Zach just to kind of talk without the constraints of of you know a movie to break down yeah. and uh it's you know it's always usually pad related stuff but it's it's fun and um you will also have the meat and potatoes of the patreon page is our interview series interviews after dark and uh you guys know that we have uh you know we've talked to people like tom matthews and uh jeanette goldstein and zach ward and stephen jeffries and man brian usna and diane franklin jesus man tony tampone it just keeps getting uh bigger and bigger and zach who did we talk to today and it'll be dropping uh next month we talked to director steven kostansky uh who it who co-directed the void which is definitely a pad worthy modern film we could talk Mm -hmm. about and he's got a new one coming out called psycho gorman uh gorman which comes out in the fall i believe he said this guy is like in my opinion and one of the reasons why i wanted to book him on the show is he's the uh, he's the future of this genre and what and and he just makes some fun fun films manborg father's day he's (laughs) part of the astron six crew yeah so i was gonna say uh he's a part of the astron six uh team um who also you guys might know uh made the editor uh he he didn't but it was uh that group sort of did um and uh yeah he was super cool and i mean he's basically just like us he just makes movies but he loves all the same shit that like we do like he all the same influences of movies and stuff it was it was a fun conversation it was super fun uh it was awesome so look for that is going to be our next month's uh exclusive interview after dark um uh interview uh for the 
the Patreon page. And you also get, uh, you know, we release videos. Uh, yep. Basically, whenever Zach and I pick our next movie, uh, we will send each other the movie. And then we will record sort of an unboxing, a reveal video, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, so I'm up next. Zach recorded, obviously, one for King of New York. I have my next movie sitting here already wrapped. So I'll be probably uh, opening it next week or, or soon and, and posting that on there as well. So that's more of a bonus. But we do uh, we, we do we put a lot of uh, content into the Patreon page and uh, and we appreciate Every single patron that, that we have, um, every single one of you, we, we appreciate it to no end. Um, but we also do truly understand that times right now are crazy. Yeah. Uh, money might be kind of crazy. We, we totally, totally get that. Um, one freeway to help the podcast is to leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. It's still kind of the main podcatcher that's out there. And, uh, the reviews is what they use to kind of, uh, make you, you, you show up higher in search results. So it's just a, it's a free way to kind of help get us new listeners. So if you love the show, you don't have the funds to, to spend on, on the patron, no problem. If you could take just a minute or two and leave us a five-star review and a little bit of a write-up that would go huge, huge ways to help out. And, uh, and we got a we got a merch store coming soon. Uh, we'll keep you guys detailed on that, but uh, we're excited to, to unveil that once we you know do some quality control and make sure it's it's everything's good. We'll we'll announce it, and uh, we got big things coming this year with <laughs> COVID or not. We got we got plans, so we're gonna try to try to make them happen as soon as we can, basically. Yeah, and 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 just to to piggyback on what you said, it, those of you that have already written reviews and interacted with us we love it we love it all so keep it coming and um yep. and and i will tell you just to give you a little taste a little preview of what what's to come for my next pick it is not uh it's totally different from everything i've done before but shares an odd connection with the pick i have after it so i've already like <laughs> teed up a few things where i'm like oh wait a minute i didn't even realize these things have something in common but you'll find out what those are very soon I'm super excited, and not just because uh, I, I love the movies where I don't have to track them. <laughs> yes, just, I mean it's. I do. I no. I, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love every aspect of this podcast, but I will say that um, trying to track the movie is not the uh, most I- enjoyable way to enjoy the movie. It's work with a capital it's, W. It is. It really is. <laughs> but we love it. We love it, nevertheless exactly it's work that we love and uh i'm definitely not complaining so (laughs) but uh yeah um and as always guys we'll catch you on the dark side join the podcasting after dark patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show plus you get every regular episode of podcasting after dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark.
Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. 